Sorry, this is a bustin' with the boys podcast. Wait, when when did Barstool come in the mix? Were they there in the very beginning? No, so, it went down in the DMs, bro. Barstool just fucking DM'd us and asked if we wanted to have a conversation. Well, obviously we gotta say yeah, but should we like wait a day? I didn't know Erica was like the CEO mm-hmm. of Barstool Sports. And so we got on the call the next day with Gaz. Gaz and Erica. I thought that he said Eric. I said, Eric, what's up, boss? How you doing? Uh, yada, yada. And she's like, well, I'm a girl, but, you know, I'm for the boys. Get off the phone. And you're like, <laughs> and tears start coming out of my eyes. Like, I'm getting my moment. And I, I feel emotion. <clears throat> I feel emotion feeling that because I was so fired up. Mm-hmm. There's always controversy within the Barstow world. That's the whole game. Everybody's trying to get a bag. Get on the phone like, hey, Dave, bro, like, we're fucking there. Like, he's like, well, that's not what I fucking heard. I'm trying to think of what I should tell you. Everything. Um, we're coming up. It's our contract here with Barstool. And uh, we end up settling on a... Before we get to the episode with Will Compton, got to tell you all about my new sponsor, Manscaped. First sponsor ever of the Next Up podcast with Adam Brenneman. You guys may roast me sometimes for not having any facial hair, call me a baby face, but the reason I don't have any is not because I can't grow any. It's because of the Manscaped Beard Hedger. That's right, this bad boy right here, the Beard Hedger. Not the Beard Trimmer, the Beard Hedger, hedging that thing. I used to use one of those shitty disposable razors, but I'd end up with a bloody face, cuts all over, and that's not very good when you're on camera. Used to be a huge problem until I found the Beard Hedger from Manscaped. Don't just take my word for it. I have a special discount code for all of you listeners. Head to manscaped.com. Use my code ADAMB and you get 20% off and free shipping on your online order. And for all of you who love this podcast, please support our sponsors. Helps us a ton. Allows us to keep putting out this great content. Shout out Manscaped, the first ever sponsor for the Next Up podcast. Next Up. What's up, boys? How we doing? How we doing? That was good, huh? Will. Chris, nice meeting you, man. Yeah, like Dude, we just both deserve a big one water, coffee, and anything. Is that mine? Yeah, I got you. I appreciate it. I love it. Bro, what do you want? I like the I know, we just got our new uh, bus and golf collection out. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, dude. This is fun. I was, uh, I was talking with Jerry, too. He loves you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, it's funny, because that that's how, um, right when, right when, Right when we finished that pod, I started thinking, like, who else should I, you know, because normally I do, like, current players and stuff. Yeah. And didn't really venture into, like, the, you know, guys that had, don't play anymore, like, guys like Jersey Jerry. And I was thinking, who I should have one? And I was thinking you right away. And then I, I think I DM'd you on Instagram. And I was yeah. like, bro, you got to no, come No, solid, bro. Uh, is this, hey, what, do you, what, do you got, is, what do you guys got here? Three-man wrecking crew? Yeah, this is our crew. All, we, all over the country, man. We, you know, we... We go places, go out, and then shoot the pod in the morning. And <laughs> it's a, good, it's a life. It's a good life. Yeah. We were doing our spring tour. We'd do a live show. Bro, you, were at, you were at ASU. Yeah, yeah we were yeah. at ASU. How was that, that? That was awesome. We didn't do a live show there. We just got to coach in the spring game. But I thought that was incredible just because Coach Dillingham, he's like thinking outside the box. That was how, sweet. How he can bring attention to the team, which um, – but, yeah, for five weeks in a row, we'd go to a different city every Wednesday – because you got the whole family thing going on. Yeah. You can't really leave on the weekends. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And, uh, dude, we'd, we'd go and get some interviews at the college. We would do a live show at night. 
And then we'd hang out, party a little bit, <laughs> and be out at the ass crack of dawn on Thursday morning to get back at a decent time so you can yeah, feel play good for the pod. Yeah, 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 yeah. Feel good for the family. Yeah. How was the coach in the spring game? Was that was that a cool experience? Yeah, Did dude. You win? I, Who won? My team won. Okay. Team Compton. Yeah. Team Maroon team won. <laughs> I had a nice little pregame speech for him. But uh dude, the whole thing on coaching, like you have the headset on. Mm-hmm. Did you guys play too? Uh just high school, yeah. That's all right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, just high school. So when you're out there playing and then you're wearing the headset, like the situational awareness you have to have it's tough. is fucking crazy. Yeah. Like always trying to like, whether you're looking to clock D and D situation, yeah. yo, a whole different appreciation for it, coaching. It really that. is like not just coaching too. Cause I do, I call games for, for ESPN. So I yeah. call games for, like as an analyst and as a tight end, like you just don't have the awareness that a quarterback has, right? Yeah. Like I never thought about the play clock. Yeah. <laughs> never thought about. I mean, and now like you got to have it when you're in the booth. Like you're, I'm like learning like some of the stuff I never even thought about. Yeah, it's, it's probably very. You're similar. like when they call timeouts, I never thought of that. Right, it's shit. not like you guys can just have dead space. Like you're just sitting there listening in the huddle for the call. <laughs> yeah. You break down. You're just thinking about your assignment. You have to talk yeah. through the entire. Like how many situation. catches do I have today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no doubt, but it it uh. It was awesome. It was a great time. Arizona, what a great state. Yeah. Like Phoenix, Scottsdale. It's surprising that they haven't brought in good recruiting classes. Well, obviously, like their facilities suck. Yeah. But the way Coach Dillingham was talking on the interview, like mm-hmm. I think he'll get some stuff going because there's no reason that a city like that, an area it's like one of the best like that, places to live yeah. in the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not just because of like beautiful people, beautiful women, all that kind of stuff, yeah. but like the network's there, the money that's there, it's the, the weather. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And I just don't, as long as they, once they get money funneled in there and they can buy and upgrade their facilities a little bit, like they could, they should be a team that competes yeah. every year. And Kenny's a cool dude too, like 32, 31 years yeah, old. Yeah, bro, 32. fiery. Like, a lot he's of passion. fired up, yeah. Like you, I, you wanted to coach, didn't you? I, yes, I read bro. that somewhere. I was doing my homework. I was looking up your stuff. You played at Penn State yeah. right after I had left Nebraska because yeah. you, that's when we joined the Big Ten. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I saw that a knee injury. Yeah. Was it that bad to where you had it was to bad. retire? Yeah, so I Did had Penn State fuck something up. No, it didn't get fucked up. I I damaged a piece of cartilage in my knee when I was at Penn State. As you know, like the worst thing that you can do on your knee is go be bone on bone. Like that that's what happened to it, and they can't really fix cartilage. Right? It's yeah. the same injury that remember Greg Odin. Remember yeah, we yeah, never yeah. played an NBA because yeah. of his knee? That's the same injury Greg Oden had. So it was just degenerating my whole career. So then I went to UMass. I played, I didn't practice at UMass, but I ended up, I had like 140 catches in two seasons at UMass. You balled at UMass. I balled Why'd out. you go I to UMass? Said, Why'd you leave Penn State? Mark Whipple was the head coach at UMass. You know, you know that name? He was, a, yeah, I've heard the he was name. in the NFL for a while. I knew his son really well. So just the connection went But there. why transfer when you were a freshman All-American at Penn State? Because I missed two seasons at Penn State and I thought I was going to be done playing football. When I, I was at Penn State for three years, thought I was done playing because of my knee, took like a couple months off, didn't train, thought I was going to retire. And then, you know, I, I had missed two seasons. Mike Kosicki was at Penn State by that point. Like all these guys, I, I was like barely even there anymore. <laughs> you know, when you uh, miss two yeah, seasons yeah. in a row, yeah. I thought I was done. And then I decided to go give another shot at UMass. And yeah. then just finish out UMass. Then finish out UMass, went to the senior bowl, went to all that, did all that stuff. And then, but my knee, I couldn't run because of my knee. So I saw like, went to go see Andrews, like all these docs trying to figure it out. But I, I couldn't, there was no way to fix my knee. Damn. Yeah. And then you just got into coaching. And then I got into coaching for, yeah, for two seasons. I was the tight ends coach at ASU under Herm. And then everyone got fired at ASU. And then I started yeah. doing media. Started doing this what stuff. What made you want to jump into media? 
It was. I'm sorry, this is a bust with the boys podcast. I, I like uh, it. Yeah, yeah. We're just flipping the script. <laughs> yeah. um, it was. Uh, I, I always knew it was something I thought thought I wanted to do, and then honestly, like a lot of the stuff, like you were doing, uh, like McAfee, like all those like athlete driven media stuff. It was that that shit was like taken off, and I was I could do this. I could do a podcast. I can call games on TV. I could do content. It started with me. I started posting videos on TikTok yeah. about college about college football, and like those took your off. own selfie videos on whether it's headlines exactly. or talk about the game. Yeah, they talk about you know recruiting stories about my career, and some started going viral, and that's how like ESPN saw that. Um, asked me to start calling some games for them, so I got on TV. That's how you know. That's just how I've gotten like connections with all these different guys. And then the podcast, you know, you're only as good as your guests on the podcast when you're starting out. You know, you guys now no have doubt. a brand you could bring on anyone. It would get a lot of views. But when you're starting out, like you got to get big guests. Like that's why you know having new ones great. Like having you know we've had like Jared Goff and Pickett and all these quarterbacks that have helped grow the podcast a ton. That you know people pay attention to it now at least yeah. a little bit and like we'll come on and we get decent guests. So yeah, the first time I found yours. I want to say even before you DM'd, I think it was in my Instagram algorithm with the Jer- Jersey Jersey. Jerry, Jerry. So. Yeah, he was he was awesome. That was He's a, a big episode. one. I think yeah. it's smart by you too because it's like it's audience. Yeah, like obviously you Jersey Jerry, who everyone's a massive fan yeah. of him, but you target some of these guys that are in say the Barstool world. The Barstool yeah. audience is nuts, nuts. bro. Yeah. It's the Stoolies, like it's it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Our partnership with them is all time. Their fan base, their audience is just people can't comprehend what. The success of Barstool Sports. Wow. And I think having somebody on like a Jersey Jerry, I think it's a smart play yeah. trying to build the pocket because you're right. Like in the early stages, you're only as good as your guests. Like you have some, it's like you have the flame, right? From when yeah. you're playing. Like yeah. I was playing in the league. Taylor had just signed a massive, uh, he signed a record breaking deal yeah. to uh, be the highest paid lineman in the NFL. So, and you know how the game works. Once you do that, he's got a few years. Yeah, he's good. He does it, yeah. All he has to do is ask for permission, ask for forgiveness Uh if he does something wrong. Um, So, you get the first initial jump of having a a athlete driven Mm -hmm. pod or a football player driven podcast because there wasn't really anybody doing it at the time. It's like you had AJ Hawk, who might have ran a couple episodes before he got with Pat McAfee. McAfee retired to do the media thing. Mm And, uh, but yeah, over time, like as you look at data and as you're like trying to grow the brand with the boys and you're looking at ways to be creative, to utilize social media, to utilize YouTube, like Mm -hmm. the algorithm game, caption game, all these games are real games that people don't get. Mm -hmm. They think like we just title on YouTube. Yeah. 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 But, uh, it's all like, it's all there's, there's strategy involved in everything. I'm I'm not saying it's like we're in some war room, but I'm talking about like when you're trying to grow a brand and everything else, like you've got to find ways to get in audiences to that, that can see your stuff and be like, yeah, I kind of mess with this dude. Yeah. You know what it's I'm saying? So guys, like Jersey, yeah. Jersey Jerry's a great example. Just to circle all the way back to Jersey Jerry, I think he's a great example because he has such a niche yeah. audience where stoolies love him. If Jersey 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 Jerry shows up on a podcast, mm-hmm. his whole audience is going to come watch. Yeah, no, that you know was like I mean? the, the clip we posted of Jersey Jerry talking about his sobriety and overcoming all that. That was one of the best videos I've ever posted on social media. I'm talking like tens of millions of views that, and that was, you know, because he got so open and vulnerable and talk, and people saw Jer- Jersey Jerry in a way they haven't seen him before. Right. He wasn't like cracking jokes the whole time. And that's kind serious. of, your, that's yeah. kind of your lane. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Just, like you love the stories. Yeah, you love the journey. Yeah. Like I'm into that stuff too. Like I love busting balls and chopping up yeah. and locker room talking, all that stuff. Um, but I love all the story stuff. So that like knowing you're in that lane, like you do get somebody like Jersey Jerry on 
he's going to talk in a way that no one sees him because we're all doing shticks, we're all doing bits all the time with yeah, sports yeah, and having yeah. fun. Yeah. When you get somebody, when you get somebody on there actually telling their story, it's like insightful it's because yeah. you get to learn, you get to peel the onion back and like yeah. learn about that person. Well, let, let's dive into your story. The, the, the thing I'm fascinated about with you is just like how much your life has changed in the last couple of years from you know being a journeyman NFL guy to now the podcast and your media career is taking you to like an A-list celebrity almost, you know, well, that's, I it, think that's generous. It, I mean, maybe B, B minus, B plus, you know I mean? like, B plus. <laughs> um, but seriously, it's just because you can notice walking around Walmart or a gas station every now and then. <laughs> oh, you're an A-list. Yeah, yeah. like, hey, for the boys, like shit, I hope nobody saw yeah. that person. Well, since you're on the pod, I got to hype you up a little bit. We got an A-list <laughs> yeah. guest, uh, but I mean, it's changed a ton. Like just for in the last couple of years, do you, do you feel like that? Like have things changed? for you when you go in public oh 100 yeah. people i feel like know me more now for busting with for the sure. boys and social media <laughs> yeah and twitter than they did during my playing career now i had fun in my playing career like it was awesome like when i was starting and in washington like that was fun but yeah the the vibe now is so much different because i feel like i uh i am known more for the brand than yeah. i was the player which is also relieving right like mm -hmm. When you're a player and you go through injuries or your career stops, no matter when it does, no matter when your career stops, like there's a there's a fear that comes with that of what am I going to do next? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. when when you lose that identity, you lose that when your edge is playing sports and you no longer can play sports or you don't have that step anymore and you can kind of you know, people, whenever they chirp you, you can feel it a little bit more because you've <laughs> yeah. lost in your own, with your own internal mm -hmm. battles, you've lost a little bit of that and you know it. So it gets to you a little bit more. So there's like a, there's like a fear that goes on when you know it's coming to an end because I mean, it's no, like they made a documentary on it. 75% of yeah. guys go broke or mm -hmm. not go broke, but go bankrupt yeah. within three years of playing in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And that's a real stat. Like I would, we go around the locker room and Somebody had like a, you know, they had the rookie starter pack where they got jewelry and a Louis bag and Gucci slides car, and stuff. New car. With, yeah. It's probably the new yeah. Camaro or Mustang. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's like, oh, guys, what do all of us in here? There's 10 of us standing here right now. We All of us have the right financial plan in place to where we're not going to be one of these yeah. seven and a half guys that go broke within mm -hmm. three years of playing in the league. Um, and so when that's coming to an end, you start to like figure out like, yo, what am I going to do? And for me, it was like, I've always been a podcast guy, always. Like, I love the, back in the day, it was the fighter and the kid, Rogan, uh, get rich education. If you listen to that, just, I'm telling you, it's a very nerdy voice. Uh, you're, it's brutal <laughs> to listen to the voice, but uh, his name is Ken. He's a stud. Listen to that. Bigger Pockets is what got me into real estate. Yeah. Um, all these different podcasts, I was fascinated in, bro. And I was always one of those guys, whether I'm in a, a sauna Cold tub, cafeteria. Fuck, I love the cafeteria talks, bro. Yeah. Like when you're in training camp <laughs> yeah. and you're just around the boys and whatever the topic is. Yeah. Whether you never know what it's going to be. You never know what it's going to yeah. be. Whether it's a, you're making fun of a coach or imitating a coach, you're just fucking grinding through the dog yeah. days. Camp I start to sink in a little bit when you're just around <laughs> the boys too long. Like I've just always loved that stuff and I thought it would be cool. Like these pods that I listen to, podcasting is media in such a way that like it's not that... 
It's not that mainstream corporate stuff that yeah. you see. I'm not saying it's all bullshit, but like you sit there and everybody's got to be professional. You got people in your ear. Hey, you got 30 seconds. You got to transition to yeah. this. Like you got all this talking. Like podcasting brings people in a fucking Airbnb just talking yeah. shop. Whatever yeah. comes out, it <laughs> yeah. just comes out. It's like conversations where you're yeah. staying up late at night, whether you're banged up or you have family in town and you're just sitting around the fire. Yeah. And um, I was always fascinated with that. So when I got to Tennessee, and I was a backup and special teams player the entire year. I had my five years in Washington. Mm-hmm. Went from practice squad to role player to starter to captain to where I thought I was going to be, I could be potentially get some money in free agency. Mm-hmm. Tear my Liz Frank in that fifth year at Washington. Yeah. So I go on IR and you kind of already know like, damn, I hope Washington retains me. Um, it doesn't necessarily look that way. I'm going into free agency. Who knows what it's going to be like? Buffalo found some white mass in my head. So they were like, that was my first visit. And I thought I had fucking a tumor. I, I read again. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cancerous tumor in my head at one point. But anyway, I signed with Tennessee on a one year deal. Mm-hmm. You know, when guys sign a one year deal, it's like, okay, I'm going to sign a one year deal. It's my bag year. It's my get back on track year. Yeah. Once I ball out, I'll have to compete. I'll have to mm-hmm. earn it again. And then I can go into free agency next year. Well, draft night comes. Rashawn Evans drafting the. They trade up and draft Rashawn Evans in the first round. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there with my boys in Germantown at a bar. It's my boy Nick and Logan. They trade it up and it's like, dun, dun, dun. the Tennessee <laughs> Titans select Rashawn Evans, linebacker, Alabama. And I'm fucking sitting there watching this go down in a bar. And I look over at my boys and I'm like, fuck. You know, they just kind of like look over at me like, we all know what fucking time it is. I was like, motherfucker, dude. <laughs> And because you just know, you just know yeah. how it's going to go no matter what. Like somebody who gets drafted in the first round, yeah. whether Usually they're got. better or not, like that's the, <laughs> that's the investment they're pouring into. Yeah. If he doesn't play out well on the field, the owner's going to fire yeah, the head the coach GM's because, hey, him. yeah, the GM's firing the head coach because, <laughs> yeah. hey, we drafted that dude in the first round. You're making me look bad. Yeah. Before I go down, you're going down. Yeah. There's all these, you know, political games that get played. But unfortunately, in my role, I, you always need somebody to get injured, to mm-hmm. get an opportunity. Yeah. And not that you wish injury upon anybody, but that's just what you need when you're in that spot that I was in. And so you're in the life of a backup, just staying ready the, every weekend, week out, which is a grind. And when I was getting toward November, I remember sitting with my wife and I was like, I got kicked out of probably like five Airbnb accounts because I'm trying to DM and message with all these Airbnb owners about the game of Airbnb and real yeah. estate investing because bigger pockets put me on when I had mm-hmm. tore my Liz Frank and I was at home all the time. And uh, also had written in my journal because I just posted about it yesterday. I was going to ask day. you about that. Yeah. yeah. 2017, right? 2017, yeah. bro. And I was journaling again about all the real estate stuff and you know, my wife was like, why don't you do the, po-? like people had told me I need to do the podcast stuff. And then once I had a couple teammates that year on the Titans tell me, Derek Morgan, um, Kevin Byard, who else? There's somebody else. Logan Ryan. Mm-hmm. They each at different points, like, yo, Comp, you should have a podcast, man. And then that was kind of the validation I needed to like, yo, let's like, let's start writing stuff down and figuring this stuff out. And, um, I'm trying to think what happens next. I'm trying not to miss this part of the story. Because when you're about to jump into this lane and you probably share the same stuff, anxieties and fears, there's a part of you that's so nervous because you're being vulnerable and and allowing people to listen. And not only Mm -hmm. people to listen, but you're on all of these social media platforms, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all of them, 
trying to play the games too, like trying to mm -hmm. figure it out. And there's this world where like everybody can watch, just like everybody can say positive comments, everybody can fucking drag you and chirp yeah. you. And it touches you, it touches your identity a little bit, no matter how, mm -hmm. you know, no matter how comfortable you are in your own skin, you're trying to do something that yeah. you know is a little, that has a little fear behind it. But it's like, to me, those are the moments. That's the gray area everybody hits. Yeah. That's that fray, right? That everybody gets to. And you either continue making uh, an intentional decision to go down that path, like that's probably less traveled, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just to see it all the way through. And if you fucking fail, you know, I've been cut before. I mean, you had your knee injury. Yeah. We all had to stop playing. Like you, you all, we've all dealt with failure. Yeah. Everyone has dealt with failure. Everybody can relate to failure. And it's like, uh, you get beyond that, what's the worst thing that can happen? You fail. Yeah. And like things are forgotten about, especially in today's world, like shit's forgotten about in weeks. Yeah. There's so you know much, I mean? there's so much shit out there. Yeah. Stuff's like a fart in the wind, dude. And it's like, you know what? Uh, I had Taylor, he told me I should do it. My wife, uh, teammates that just were like, hey, Comp, you should have a podcast. Not like mm -hmm. knowing that I wanted to do it. <laughs> and then that was all, it was like kind of the perfect storm. I was like, man, I need to jump on this because when you're in the NFL, your jokes are funnier, you're better looking, you can yeah. shake more hands, you're, the iron is hot, yeah. bro. You get guests. You, you get yeah. guests. You get, yeah. It just looks, it's, it's different when you're in the league compared to when you're out of yeah. the league. It's just like the old heads who would come in and give a speech to Penn State or UMass. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all the boys afterwards just chirp like, bro, your time's up. Like, do something else. <laughs> yeah. And there's always that weird part guy. of me is like, am I going to be that motherfucker that's like out there saying stuff, this uh, and that? And these are going to be like, yo, you had your time. <laughs> uh, but that's how it all kind of started to like, you know, bake. Were you worried about, because at that time you were still... Play, like you were still playing in the league. Were you worried about GMs and head coaches and what what they were going to think? Because you know, it only recently got kind of accepted to do this kind of stuff, right? Like uh, five, ten years ago, if you started a podcast during the league, it's like he's not a ball guy. He doesn't care about ball. <laughs> yes. Know? Were you worried about all that? Yeah, one hundred percent. My thought was this: I had busted, I had grinded in my career, and I essentially became what I was in Washington. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking like I was some fucking Pro Bowl stud. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking relating to where I started in the league and what I had to overcome to create this reputation that I had. Mm -hmm. And then you sit, you ride the pine in, in Tennessee and finish out year, I think it was six at the time, year six. And I was, gonna, I was going on, I was going to say 29, like... The awareness I had was, okay, I'm a 29-year-old undrafted white dude <laughs> that didn't get any burn this year. There's going to be no tape of me playing on, like, being on film a whole lot. Yeah. So, I mean, when a coach wants to bring me in, <clears throat> the coaches that want to bring me in, there's probably somebody on staff that has coached me before that knows about me. That's mm -hmm. like, hey, he'd be great for the locker room, X, Y, and Z. So, knowing I didn't have the pedigree and trying to trying to be aware of the whole situation, I knew that... When I was going to get picked up, it was going to be, I was going to be an, on a 90-man roster again. Yeah. And what I mean by that was um, the few years before, prior to that, I was on the 53. Yeah. Like, I had earned my stripes. You, you kind of knew going into it. Yeah. You kind of knew going into it, comp, whether it's depth, starter, doesn't matter, special mm -hmm. teams, any of that stuff. You know comp is solidified on the roster. Yeah. And uh, when I knew I would have to be on a 90-man roster again, I just, I was over that grind. Mm -hmm. Not that I didn't love ball, because I'd still love ball, 
But um, you just kind of fucking get over it, man. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's wear and tear on your body. It's like, man, I'm gonna have to put my head down, recreate myself again because I've low key, I didn't put together a year that I wanted to at all. Yeah. And um, you know, when I decided to do the podcast, the question was, are you ready to potentially? play yourself out of the league because mm-hmm. podcasts weren't a thing then yet yeah. for active NFL players. Mm-hmm. People who inspire me, Matt, like you've already said one, well, McAfee, yeah. JJ Redick in basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few guys doing it, like in other sports too. And uh, all the smoke, those guys mm-hmm. on, uh, yeah. on Showtime. Yeah. And watching Schaub do it through UFC when he was a UFC fighter because I love Schaub and Callen mm-hmm. back in their young, the fighter and the kid days. Mm-hmm. And um, seeing kind of these athletes transition, I aspired to do something like that. So there's a quote out there, jump when you can afford to drown. And mm-hmm. I felt like I was at a place where I could do that. If I played yeah. myself out of the league, fine. Um, if I was in the way I've been able to finesse these last three years, I mean, it couldn't. That decision to do busting with the boys couldn't have worked out any better. Yeah. Remember, I was driving it. I was driving in the rain. I was going to do some radio show in December for the Titans. It was like, you're really going to do this podcast? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do it, man. Like, you know, I'm nervous. I'm this, I'm that. Like, I'm going to do the podcast. And he's like, man, he's like, I'll do it with you if you have me. And I was like, bro, that would make life so much easier. I'd love for you to be on. <laughs> and then fast forward to right after the season, we had that playing game against Indy and we lost. And uh, Taylor and I, we were banged up at some Chinese restaurant. Great, great, <laughs> great China or something like that. <laughs> Over off of uh, over off Charlotte Avenue, and we shook hands over doing the pod. He left the next couple days and left until April, four months where it was kind of up in the air. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was going to get on his flight. And I was like, "Bro, if you're doing this, I will wait." Kind of like fucking Titanic. I'll wait on you. Yeah, I'll wait for you. But I was like, "Yo, I'll wait for you if you're truly going to do this. If not, I gotta get going yeah. because again." If this plays me out, I got to strike now yeah. before if I'm done playing and yeah. it's over, like the sooner the better. Mm-hmm. And we started busting with the boys, man. We found the bus when he got back for OTAs and it's been up ever since, bro. How, how did the connection with Barstool come about? When, when, when did Barstool come in the mix? Were they there in the very beginning? When, when no, it off? went down in the DMs, bro. So we that's had, where it always goes That's down. went down in the DMs. <laughs> uh, we had, okay, at that point, we had about... 10 episodes out because they hit us up in August and throughout OTAs it was, the, it was the same thing that I was talking about on playing myself out of the league or not I knew we were doing pods so the whole goal in in April and May maybe were to get pods to fill us up until football season because then when football season's here we're going to play football yeah. we're going to step out Fashion of the pods. podcasting yeah. and so we're trying to like backlog episodes I, we did as much as I'll get to that later um, and we're backlogging episodes and within our first 10, we had on some solid guests. I mean, Rich Froning, Delaney Walker, Delaney Walker out of the gate. There were yeah. articles written about mm-hmm. pro football talk wrote about how Delaney Walker says team IV almost killed him during a game <laughs> because he's telling a yeah. story about how a saline IV fucked him up during one of the games at like halftime. He's like, man, I thought I was about to die yeah. type of thing. And so that's an article. It's always good getting the headlines. Yeah, <laughs> great for us to get the headline. However, when you're not really removed from the Titans yet and oh, Rabel is fucking at the cloud over your head, <laughs> you know, I still felt like I was a Titan. Like, I still right now feel like Vrabe could be around here. <laughs> but uh, Vrabe has a team meeting the next day with the boys because Taylor leaves and tells me right away. And he's like, 
Frable brought up our stuff. He's like, guys, I love that you're doing the podcast. I hope all you guys do something off the field mm-hmm. as, you know, as long as it's not a distraction to this team. And he's like, here's a headline. He goes, guys, I promise you, no matter what is being said, anybody can take a little snippet of whatever you say and make an article out of it and then misconstrue the story and everything else. He's like, I love that you're doing it. You just got to be careful. So from there, our assholes a little bit tight about it. But Vrabel comes on. <laughs> Vrabel comes That's on right. the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Says he'd cut his dick off for a Super Bowl. <laughs> and we that goes viral for us. That's yeah. going nuts for us, man. And and you know how it is too. It's like when a clip goes viral, you you're almost like, fuck yeah, I guess that yeah. I guess that makes sense now. But yeah. in the when it's happening, you're like uh you know, you're kind of sitting there like, fucking brave. Just you're thinking about yeah. his wife listening to this. Yeah. Show. You're not <laughs> yeah. thinking yeah. about how this is gonna go yeah. around the world. Yeah. And um that goes viral for us. We have Jalen Ramsey on. Jalen talks about how he used to shit talk uh, receivers in college. He's like, I stopped in the NFL just because, you know, guys have real families and <laughs> kids and wives. They're not girlfriends anymore. But we had Jalen on, and that was a really good pod. And uh, that one went a little viral for us. And then in August, Barstool DMs our Twitter account and asked if we'd be interested in having a conversation. And, of course, we said yes. Is it like the Barstool main account? Like, who, who's DMing you? I don't even know because Matt Neely was running it at the time and uh, he hits me up and he's like, dude, I was like, what's up, bro? And he's like, "Uh, Barstool just fucking DM'd us and asked if we wanted to have a conversation. And I was like, no shit. He's like, yeah, what do you want me to say? I was like, well, obviously we got to say, yeah, but should we like wait a day? Should we wait a couple days? Make him think like, you know, we're tough to get. Um, We tell them, yes, we get on a phone call. I would say the next day, maybe. Mm-hmm. They they operated fast about it. And uh, we get on the call the next day. I I know Barstool Sports. You got Dave Pornoy, Big Cat. You know all those yeah. boys. I'd followed them. And, uh, but I didn't know Erica was like the CEO mm-hmm. of Barstool Sports. And so we get on the call the next day with Gaz. Gaz and Erica. I thought that he said Eric. I said, Eric, what's up, boss? How you doing? Uh, yada, yada. And she's like, well, I'm a girl, but you know, I'm for the boys, so it's all good. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was like, I'm fucking sitting here watching my, uh, I'm sitting here watching my aquarium on the TV, just fucking nervous as hell to talk to you guys. I just fucked it up with the CEO. Called the CEO, Eric. Yeah, I called the CEO, Eric. Off to a good start. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they, they, were, they were wondering if we'd be interested in a partnership, and they didn't really talk anything uh, contractually, they didn't talk numbers. They didn't talk any of that stuff. Uh, Erica got on the phone. They just talked about how they loved our tone, loved our chemistry, mm-hmm. loved everything we had. What they would look to do is pour gasoline on on whatever fire we wanted to start, and uh, just think about it as we would be your infrastructure and help wherever you needed your resources. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was just the first conversation. They're like, if you want to know how serious we are, we'll we'll we can get a flight on the books. We'll fly to you guys. Yada yada yada. And uh, so, obviously, fired the fuck up. <laughs> Get off the phone. And you're like, <laughs> you played it cool in the call. Yeah, though. You're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, let me yeah. think about it a little bit. <laughs> no doubt. Like, obviously, I got to talk to Taylor. <laughs> Taylor's in training camp. And, uh, you know, there's a pod I had the next week. We get them in the books, and they're coming out like mid August. So, and my, again, here's my whole play with football. So, during OTAs, when we were backlogging the episodes, because now here, here's, some, here's some more that goes into this story about how we get to meeting and sitting down with Barstool. So the whole game with football for me at the time was, all right, 
I've already decided not going to be a 90-man guy. Mm -hmm. The injury rate in the NFL in football is 100%. Somebody's going to need some fucking gritty mercenary linebacker at some point to fill their depth and do yeah. a, give a punt set or two. And um, so I was like, I'm betting on that resume. Just somebody wanting to bring me in, be like, oh, he'll be able to, he'll be able to learn your playbook quick, and he's a, he can be a team's guy. So I didn't do OTAs. I turned down probably four or five workouts or tryouts or whatever, and then we get to training camp. Right before day one of training camp, so it was the Saints, we'll say the Saints, Jaguars, maybe Eagles. I can't remember. There are a few teams that wanted to hit me up to see if I was interested in you know coming and mm -hmm. doing a workout. All goes well. We'll sign to the 90-man roster. My thought at the time was, okay, I don't want to do training camp. Yeah. So I miss OTAs. We're <laughs> catching a little bit of a wave with busting with the boys. I'm finding a fulfillment and a joy and a passion that's sparking in me that I hadn't had since I was fucking climbing the ranks in football. Mm -hmm. Just like the whole journey with football. Like I'm fired up. I can't wait to get the first sponsor. Like I'm trying to figure out how it works. I'm researching on the internet. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to any beef that's ever been had out there over a podcast personality and the company yeah. because they're teaching you about intellectual property and everything else, how ad reads work, all that shit. And um, so the time comes for Taylor's in training camp. I'm trying to wait it out as long as possible. If I can finesse all fucking training camp, perfect case scenario yeah. is don't play any games <laughs> and get signed before week one happens. Yeah. I get to be on week one. <laughs> and then as a vested veteran, you're guaranteed that entire, entire contract, whether or not you get cut. Yeah. So what I mean by that is you can go down week one and I can look like shit and they're like, oh, well, we're going to fucking cut you. Now, obviously, <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not thinking of it like that. <laughs> But like you can play week one and then cut you, but they still owe you the rest of the year's salary. That's only if you're on the roster by week one. If you're in the middle of the year, they can cut you and then they then you just get whatever yeah. you played for. So that's my perfect case scenario. And so I'm staying in shape. I'm working out every day. I'm doing all this stuff. Barstool wants to fly in. Barstool flies in. That day, we have a podcast with Sean Johnson and Andrew East. And um, we have a pod. I want to say CJ Mosley or... Who was the line? Avery Williams might have tore his knee for the New York Jets. Mm -hmm. New York Jets call me within a couple hours, call my agent. I see that he tears his ACL. I was like, man, I wonder if my agent's going to hit me up. And I was like, I don't want to fucking go to play for the Jets. <laughs> like, they suck, dude. <laughs> um, and so my agent calls and I pick up because uh, the whole the Jets thing. And um, he's like, hey, what do you think about the Jets? I was like, man, I'm going to be honest. I don't want to go to New York. I don't want to play for the Jets. Like, I'd rather go. If I'm going to do what I'm doing, I want to go and try and, like, have an opportunity to be on a good team. Yeah. And so that phone call was quick. We get another one. But it goes to voicemail because I'm in the middle of this interview with Sean Johnson and Andrew East. Mm -hmm. He calls. This was the Saints' third time calling to get me to training camp. They had now... The Saints just had their second preseason game. They have three guys that are injured. They're starting Mike Backer. They're starting captain and special teams demon, Craig Robinson. Mm -hmm. um, and um, who was the other one? There's one more guy down. And um, they obviously needed, not only did they need bodies, but depending on how bad Alex Anzalone's shoulder was, yeah. that was a starting Mike Backer. Yeah. He was out the first couple weeks of the regular season. So when they called before training camp and the second time in training camp, my agent was like, Will's not coming in unless he does a solo workout by himself because we're coming with the intention mm -hmm. to sign. We're not going to do the whole carousal where there's going to be several guys and then we all leave and then yeah. you decide who you want. 
So that third time the Saints called, um, they basically said, hey, we want to fly Will in. He's doing a workout by himself, intention to sign, all that stuff. I get this voicemail after. This is the same day that Barstool's flying into town. And so I don't want to have to fly out and not meet with Barstool. Yeah. This is the morning time. And uh, I just don't return the call until like later that late afternoon when I know that no flights can go out anymore. <laughs> and then I was like, hey, because again, I'm trying to I'm trying to sit down with Barstool. Yeah. Gaz, Erica, they flew into town to meet with us. We it was an off day for Taylor. And then we went over and ate at True Foods over mm-hmm. in Green Hills. And uh, so later that afternoon, I called my agent and I'm like, hey. Uh, sorry, I didn't get your call. I was, I've been working out. <laughs> like, fuck it, you've been working out for six hours. <laughs> and, uh, been working out, yada, yada. I got your voicemail. Like, I'm down to fly out, ash crack of dawn tomorrow morning. We can do the workout even tomorrow if they want mm. me to. He's like, all right, perfect. We'll line it up. We go and meet with Barstool. We sit down with Barstool. And they're like, hey, what are you guys thinking? And we're like, we think we're just going to ride this year out, this football season. But we'd love to continue the conversation. Because we had all these, they're like, well, what's your plan for football season? How are you guys going to podcast during football season? And we're like, oh, we've built up a library to where we can drop them all now. So that way, because backtrack a month prior, I got on the phone with Pat McAfee and kind of just reached out to him like, hey, on some mentor stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I'm just seeking advice. Like, you know, I had my notebook out. just wanted to be a sponge. Like, you know, what do I need to know about this industry, about everything. He goes, you need to know that your audience, you need to think of your audience as your best friend and you got to show up for them every day on social media and you got to show up for them when you say you're going to show up for them. So what he meant by that was if you're dropping once a week, every Tuesday, then be there every Tuesday. He's like, I know you got the anxiety of the football season and everything else. And he's like, but I'm telling you, like, if you want to keep your audience and you want to continue building your audience, you got to continue to show up week in and week out and mm-hmm. not have many lapses. It's like, I know that's hard to do because camp's coming, blah, blah, blah. From that conversation, got on the horn with Taylor. Taylor and I talked about it. And we're like, we need a fucking backlog episode to last through the season mm-hmm. now. And um, we did about 12 in one week. It Jeez. was a fucking grind. <laughs> And you know you only have so much to talk about. Yeah. You only have so many jokes at that point in time. <laughs> you only watch some recent episode of fucking yeah. Family Guy or something where you just have some joke that you're writing mm-hmm. for the entire week. It's like playing a song on a repeat <laughs> yeah. when it first comes out. And so when you're doing these three conversations a day and you're trying to like keep it up and everything else, but yeah, we did 12 in one week in fucking 90 degree heat in that fucking bus with no AC. Mm-hmm. Or we had a little bit of an AC unit, but uh, it was fucked. Um so we did that, man, because we wanted to kind of take that approach to it. And then as far as intros, if we ever had sponsors or do an intro, I would just take my, uh, what are those things called where it's got the little mic on the end, it's got the little knobs on the side, that little like. Like a lab? Yeah. yeah. Not a small one. No, it's like the, it's like if we sat it right here in the middle and plugged all of our mics into it. Like Look. Yeah, like a like recorder. A you could hold it. If, yeah, I like I would hold it up to my. Oh, the Zoom, I know what you're talking about. That's what it is, yeah. Yes, the Zoom recorder. Yes, the H4N, yes. <laughs> and I would literally, and when I was on the Saints, when I was gone, because that I made the team, or I did my workout, um, did well, signed that day, and when I would go and travel, or wherever I'd be, I'd sit in my hotel room. 
I would sit in the closet of the hotel room to minimize <laughs> as much sound as possible and just do the intros and the recordings for any episode that came out. And so that's kind of how we approached the football season. And then the conversation continued with Barstool throughout the year, not a whole lot, because I got hurt with the Saints and uh, low low sprained ankle, something that only mm-hmm. kept me out four weeks. But again, they needed a, a base linebacker for weeks one and two. I get hurt. Alex Anzalone wasn't available. They needed Mike Backer. They end up trading for Kiko Alonso. They give me an injury settlement. I'm on the couch for about eight or nine weeks, and then that's when the Raiders called, and I went to the Raiders and kind of was riding the whole boys thing through the Raiders. Yeah. So then what, what did what did it take to get the Barstool deal done, and what did that deal kind of look like for you guys? Because you you always say in the pod that you own the podcast, right? You yeah. Always, you always say that. Yes. <laughs> Taylor's big on being like, we own the podcast. We This is our boss. podcast. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's, uh, that is true. Like, yeah. When we were getting on the phone and having conversations throughout the year with Dave, Dave Portnoy, we'd get on the mm-hmm. phone. So Dave was part of that. I was Dave was part of the negotiation. Of yeah. Yep. I would have my business advisor on to be me, my business advisor, uh, Erica, Dave, and Gaz. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, look, we're not even going to try to ask for your IP because you guys have already established something. This isn't like where we found the caller daddy. This is before yeah. the whole caller daddy stuff yeah. blew up and all, all that whole Fall conversation apart, was going yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Like this isn't like Caller Daddy where we found you guys. We're giving you guys a platform. You guys already have an established platform. Mm-hmm. We were doing about 15,000, 20,000 uh, downloads on audio without mm-hmm. going full uh, YouTube uh, video style because we weren't sure if we were going to do do highlights of the episode because, again, it's not like... Oh, you weren't doing YouTube at this point? We started to. I forget what episode it was, but we started to, but we would always... Um, we would always release it later than the audio. Got it. Because yeah. at the time, you just didn't know. I want to say Joe Budden went to Patreon. The Patreon thing was was popping off. People would talk about trying to figure out ways to do paywalls and everything else. And we didn't know what we were going to do, like what the future part of it was. Yeah. At first, we just wanted to have a, a Kind of monetize it and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to figure yeah. out how to monetize it. Like, do we take our YouTube and put it behind something? Mm-hmm. or Because we're trying to build our audio audience first yeah because audio audience is still bigger like still costs more at a cpm level than a youtube audience because youtube is so volatile and so Mm -hmm. fickle at times um so the goal is to build the audio audience first so we would release the youtube a day later so that way people wanted to listen they would have Mm -hmm. to listen to it on audio first try to get them to subscribe resubscribe all the shit that we would say to do that and so Dave was like, you guys have already established yourself, so we're not going to ask for your IP. But the way I want to approach this is if we sign you guys to a deal, we want like a longer-term deal. He's like, I'm talking like a like a three-year deal. We can go split revenue. I want to approach this like a sports team. Like if, if I want to sign you guys as a player, like if we put you guys in our million-dollar machine um, – for one year, you guys are going to sit there at the end of the year with all the leverage, mm-hmm. which I can respect. I mean, he's right about that. It's yeah. like, what do we want? We want to acquire more audience. We need a bigger audience. We need an audience that Barstool has. It's kind of, that's the route, the locker room talk, everything else. And they allow them to, they allow all their creators to authentically be themselves. That's yeah. the benefit you get with Barstool. Mm-hmm. There's always controversy in the Barstool world because you can love us, love spitting chiclets, love part of my take, love all these other pods and hate other stuff. Yeah. You can love BFF. You can love Mean Girls. You can love Dave Portnoy stuff. You mm-hmm. can hate everybody else. Like There's always shit going on because they allow their creators to do whatever yeah. they want to do. And so there's a lot of benefit to that. So we decided that we would accept a three-year deal, and we basically came to an agreement on like a split revenue deal across the board. And, then- and that happened at the Super Bowl after the year concluded. 
God, everything happens at the Super Bowl. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Looking back, down, right? it's a dumb move on, my part, on our part because the Super Bowl's going on. Yeah. Like, we yeah. thought it was so sick we are going to be announced at the Super Bowl. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> like a fart in the wind. And then that deal just got renewed, right? Or just yeah. you just came to a new, same kind of structure? and, and, and Well, we got paid a little bit now. We got a little bit Felt more good? money now. Yeah, yeah, Can we yeah. get some numbers? I mean, <laughs> there, um, So we were going into the last year of our deal. Our deal was supposed to be up February of 2023. Mm-hmm. And I had did, oh, this is where it gets confusing. Uh, I did the Raiders, Titans, Raiders again. And then last year, I was done playing, mm-hmm. right? I was 90% done playing. That 10%, it's like fucking... Anytime you, I got the opportunity to go and play, and I just thought, damn, I can get into another fan base or another audience bring yeah. this bring the brand so you're and, thinking about the brand first when you're going to play oh 1000 percent. 1000 percent. last three years has been all brand oriented yeah when i went to the raiders i was like all right i'll play this last year i'll introduce the 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 brand to the boys in the locker room max crosby knew who we were when yeah. i walked in i was so fucking fired up about that <laughs> and uh i figured i'd play special teams be a backup and right off into the sunset dude yeah. two years backup special teams like there's Unless somebody's going to do it again the next year, it's like the same scenario is going to happen for mm-hmm. that year. And ended up starting for three games. We're in the green dot. We played well. And then I got on the Titans the next year. It kind of bought me an extra year. Um, played a couple of games for the Titans. That bought me, you know, got me to the Raiders the next year. But uh, the whole idea was like building the brand because, dude, just fucking playing ball. Again, I love it, but mm-hmm. it's, it's such a grind. Like. Yeah. If we can make the same amount of money doing shit like this, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not Taylor's money, but me personally, <laughs> if I can make the same amount of yeah. money doing shit like this and not fucking banging my body up um, and throwing it around and living that foxhole life, I love it, but like, it's like, fuck, man. It's yeah. a grind all year round. You're in this bubble of performance-driven you know, judgment and progress every day film first step fucking put pads on again <laughs> you're banged up take yeah. enough anti-inflammatories where you don't feel shit i mean when you're taking toward all in the middle of the week like yeah. you gotta fucking you got issues. <laughs> yeah you gotta start looking at hey there's some issues going on um but i was kind of getting over it. so this last year all to say this last year the idea was do the stitch do the little shtick of year 10 Mm-hmm. Because I can ride that little flame for a minute, yeah, and um, stand up a gambling show. I got to stand up a gambling show again. I'm fresh out. We the Raiders made the playoffs. I was on the Raiders for five games. We made the playoffs. I had one special teams tackle. We coined <laughs> playoff Willie. Like we're not making the playoffs against the Chargers unless I make that special team tackle. <laughs> and uh, then the Raiders cut me. But I already knew that going into it. The Raiders cut me twice that year. Coach Pisaccio is the fucking best, dude. Mm-hmm. Guy who keeps it real with you. And he cut me. And fortunately, my flight, there's too much snow, so it didn't go out. And he called me the next morning. Hey, have you left? I'm like, no. He's like, somebody tested positive for COVID. Would you want to play this week? It'd be for free because they cut me on Wednesday. So they cut me on Wednesday, meaning they paid me for that week. You already got paid, yeah. So they're like, we wanted to make sure you came in Wednesday and uh, do like do right by you. Mm-hmm. So literally going back to play, it was there was no upside yeah. to it, <laughs> yeah. and uh, no upside financially yeah. to it. 
And I was like, dude, fucking yes, 1,000%. I'd love to go back in there. Like, after getting cut, saying bye uh, to everybody, and then coming back in the next day, <laughs> what's up, motherfuckers? Like, He's back. Yeah. And then I get cut again the next week, and they lost the game. It, the whole, yeah, what happened if playoff Willie's in there, yeah. we don't lose the fucking game. <laughs> so you're, like, riding that, and there's that. Again, there's there's a moment. There's yeah. a moment on the roller coaster ride to where you're going up, mm-hmm. and boom, I got to do a gambling show. I got to lean into it because there's a shitload of money in it. Yeah. Um, we're coming up. It's our contract year with Barstool. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to stand up a gambling show so that way we have some leverage going into free agency. Mm-hmm. Barstool came and sat with us in March and literally said, hey, would you be open to standing up a gambling show? And I was like, yes, 1,000%. Like, we'll get on standing that up. And um, we ended up standing, they wanted us to stand up a gambling show, me to do more like one-minute man-esque takes yeah. on uh, football stuff. And just teaching you ways to build in social yeah. media. Like they are their data, their fucking their school of business is mm-hmm. A plus. And uh we stood up this gambling show and we were it was about June or July when we we're getting this thing going, bet the bus. We had all the dynamic whether we're trying to pitch it, we're trying to sell it, all this stuff. Well, Dave puts a halt to it. Dave gets pissed off that we're standing up a gambling show. Um, because he thinks we're doing it to start putting together a tryout for to go to free agency. Yeah, to leverage yourselves. Which if he didn't know that we had been going over this since March, then I, I get where he's coming from. Yeah. Because I'd see it the same way. And part of me too is thinking the same thing. Like we are coming up. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to get more money. Yeah. Like you got to leverage the gambling yeah. space. You see McAfee's so. FanDuel deal. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we think we're going to get that, yeah, but you but, see all these deals getting thrown yeah. around. You fucking Dan Lebitard's getting a million, $100 million bag or $60 yeah. million. McAfee's getting his. Like all this gambling, everybody's trying to acquire this market share in the mm-hmm. gambling world. And um, so there's a lot of back and forth. And they're like, we're not going to back this. We're not going to back this unless we know we have you guys like locked in and we can extend with you guys. Because they're like, why would we put gasoline Build behind this just for you guys yeah. to leave in six months? Yeah. Which I get. He's like, why would I allow you to be sitting next to me and Big Cat and all of our gamblers, mm-hmm. sports gamblers this year, if you're not going to be with us after that? We're just, yeah. again, we're building you up just so you can walk away or leave us. Mm-hmm. So that opened the door, the door to negotiate an extension before we got to our before we got to the expiration date. Um, the benefit, you know where you're going to be. It's like staying with the home team, staying with Barstool. The, what you don't see is you don't taste free agency to yeah. know what was out there. Like I know, uh, um, I'm trying to think of what I should tell you. Everything. I know. I know. <laughs> it's like uh, but I got to tell you guys about our new sponsor, Manscaped, the first sponsor ever of the Next Up podcast with Adam Brenneman. You guys may roast me sometimes for not having any facial hair, call me a baby face, but the reason I don't have any is not because I can't grow any. It's because of the Manscaped Beard Hedger. Don't just take my word for it. I have a special discount code for all of you viewers. Head to manscaped.com, use my code Adam B, and you get 20% off and free shipping on your online order shout out manscape the first ever sponsor for the next up podcast we negotiated with barstool i did be on the phone uh, my agent in the background and uh we're negotiating about the barstool deal they want to do uh they want three football seasons mm. so basically two and a half years we'll tear up the contract we're in now the uh, uh split revenue deal because mm. it was all split revenue deal across the no board. no guaranteed money we didn't have any guaranteed money yeah, the first the original, time. No, yeah. no, not the, the original. It was, hey, we'll go 50-50, you guys get the IP. Mm-hmm. And we said, no, we'll take, uh, 
We'll take, uh, we'll go 60, 40. And the minute we eclipse a million dollars, it goes up to 70, 30, our favor. Mm -hmm. And they're on board with it. And then I was like, fuck. <laughs> uh, we I think we fucking played ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, the yes yeah. came a little too yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'll hit him with this. Like, big brain move. And then, like, deal. <laughs> fuck. Dumbasses, dude. Second deal, we're going in, and they're like, uh, um, we will go, we'll give you guys a competitive offer, what we feel is competitive. Um, you can shop it. I don't know if they said you can shop it or not. I don't think they wanted us to shop it just because again, it's like, Hey, if we're going to do business with you before your deal is up, mm -hmm. you should do right by us, but you not shopping change. it yeah. around. Yeah. Um, and you kind of do both. Like, <laughs> you know, your agent's going to shop it. Yeah. I, it's not like I'm sitting here. Me personally, I wanted to resign with Barca. I think they are the best brand for us mm -hmm. at this point in time. They could be forever. Who knows? The partnership with them now has been nothing but beneficial to yeah. us. And you enjoy interacting with their universe and their roster. And they're also open to you as far as giving advice and getting to pick Erica's brain, Dave's brain, big cat, all of them, mm -hmm. dude. They're, they're all, they're all awesome. And, um, so they come at us and, uh, we end up settling on a 3 million MG per year. So 3 million MG per year. And then the upside from that, we also have the upside. So there's a split revenue and we have the upside with that every dollar made after the 3 million. So that is where your upfront money comes in. So mm -hmm. this time we got to get paid a little bit more. We also turned down, not turned down, but we didn't negotiate at all because DraftKings was trying to get in our ear by saying, hey, without even negotiating, they're like, we're yeah. willing to give you guys $5 million a year. The reason you turn that down is because the minute you part with Barstool is because you lose the infrastructure. Yeah. So what you get out of Barstool, outside of the massive audience, you get their, you get access to their merch, mm -hmm. their site, you being highlighted on there, um, their sales force, their yeah. entire sales team, just their all whole the back end. Have, all yeah, the talent they have. Because yeah. the minute you leave... It's going to be a company-wide email that says you're yeah. no longer to associate with Will and Taylor or busting with the boys. Yeah. And you don't have that roster anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of benefit and upside to that's worth taking a, a uh, lesser amount to go with a place like Barstool because they have this. Not only do they have the systems in place, they have the roster in place. They have the forward thinking in place. Um you know, they're not scared to fuck up. Mm -hmm. And again, they allow the big thing with us, they allow the creator to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Cause they had a, they had a falling out with McAfee when that mm -hmm. whole thing went down and when they were getting in bed with us, it was kind of like, you know, we're hesitant because, um, you guys are remote. Like every, all of our talent, they're in house. They mm -hmm. stay here. We never do well working remotely with people because you guys got to run your own business and then communicate with us so far. It's been good. So the partnership's been, been awesome. We did get to extend, yeah. Um, on a, at a big deal, um, I, felt, I had to feel good. Oh, it felt awesome. <laughs> it felt awesome. And then, how'd you they, celebrate? I don't even know. It wasn't nothing. Like <laughs> it that. wasn't anything crazy. No, it wasn't anything crazy. It was uh, fuck. Let's get this. Uh, bet the bus rolling. Let's get on top of it because we had the fall tour coming up. Mm -hmm. We had so many different things, and then also Barca wanted to negotiate an individual deal. They're like, hey, we liked all the stuff you do, like. Continue to be yourself. Make some more content with uh, mm -hmm. our crew. So, because Taylor, he can't accept any gambling money. Yeah, 
Um, so in order to get some gambling money, I had to go in on an individual deal as well. Got it. Uh, which unfortunately, but fortunately was biting me in the ass later in the year when I tried signing yeah, for with the Falcons, Atlanta. right? With yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. What, what, before we talk about the Atlanta thing, what's Dave like as a negotiator? Is he, is he tough? He's what you see is what you get. Yeah. I, he's not tough. Like there was a, so I, I watched when you guys had him on right after when we talked signed. about the, talked where about, we were at, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, Oh, you're, yeah. you're at the fucking <laughs> one yard line about to punch yeah, it in. Yeah. Uh, no, he's not tough. Yeah. Like Dave, Dave, Dave said it before, like when he had the Dave Porno show with Eddie. Um, when you follow his stuff, Dave doesn't like doing the negotiating thing. Like mm. he likes loyal people. He likes to know that the whole team's going to be together. Um, he kind of hates the whole that business side of it. But at the end of the day, like that's the necessary side. Like we're all individual contractors. It's like growing up in the in the in the professional sports world. Like you're an individual contractor. Yeah. You. You get sucked into the uh, to what they sell you on sacrifice for the logo, sacrifice for the team, all that stuff. You buy into it. That's the best part about fucking life is buying in with yeah. a group of with a group of people with something like minded. But the minute the season over, you're a contractor. It's all business. Mm-hmm. It's all bottom line. Then you learn about that. You learn about that shark side of it all, and you realize like, you know, when I was at Washington, I wanted to get extended because I was like, man, undrafted practice squad player, and I'm starting for him, signal caller, captain, like, you think mm-hmm. they, like, maybe they'll do right by me and extend me. Like, man, we're really taking advantage of this fucking, <laughs> this dude who ended up becoming this. And you start to, they low round tender you and then they don't resign you when you do go into free agency, which b- bummed me out. And you just realize like, damn, we're fucking, we're all in this game working in our own self-interest. So I do get like Dave, like wanting the the band, the, like wanting the loyalty part of it. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we've done right by you. Like we should be able to negotiate. Like who gives a fuck if this other, this other company throws a lot of money at you. But when you're, you're also trying to, you know, look out for the interest of your brand and the guys and Taylor and I, our vision yeah. and everything else, like those things, those, those things are necessary to have happen because- that's the whole game. Everybody's trying to get a bag. Everybody's trying to fucking sell to a company for 500 million, 400, yeah. 500, 600 million dollars like Barstool did with Penn. Like everyone's yeah. trying to everyone's trying to taste that sweet nectar. And yeah. to do that, you got to play some of the leverage. You got to play the negotiating game. You got to like lean into stuff. That's why Erica's there. Erica's a fucking boss and she's always she was the tough one um on the negotiating side. Not that oh, really? she was tough like a bitch or anything. Like yeah. it's just you just learn the ins and outs, of all this stuff and the posturing and the, mm-hmm. I don't know. You just learn about all that stuff and it's, it's super interesting, but fortunately like something got done. Dave, it was you know, on the phone. Like, Hey Dave, bro, like we're fucking there. Like this is the only thing I'm trying to figure out. And it was production costs. Yeah. He's like, well, that's not what I fucking heard. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it was more of like, we were going back and forth. He said, oh, we should be able to get this done. And then the next time we all got on the phone, they extended it another half a year to get a third football season. We thought we were going to resign in September for two years, meaning we would be, we'd do football season, this next one coming up, and then we'd be free again. And like, no, no, no. Like, we want you yeah. for three years. Like, we're not dumb. Yeah. And uh, so I forget what the situation was that where Dave and I was like arguing back and forth. I want to say, I was like, Dave, there's no benefit. He's like, there's benefit to you rubbing elbows with us and doing it for free or something like that. I don't know. I can't remember. 
But fortunately, the entire it, it all worked out. It all worked out. I feel like Dave doesn't get enough credit for like how great of an entrepreneur he is. You know, he's he's not. People view him as kind of that like personality. But I mean, what he's built at Barstool, like you don't hear his name enough in those circles of like the great American entrepreneur stories of nowadays. Like he's he's a genius. <laughs> yeah, what, what he's like he's just always kept an edge to him, and he's yeah. One thing he's always done really well is he's he's kept his audience involved the entire time. Mm-hmm. He's uh, unapologetically himself. He's unapologetically honest. Yeah. And I think people fuck with that, man. I think like if you don't know who Barstool Sports is, you usually I come I come across people who know who Dave the Pizza Guy is. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he just he's done his thing and he has um he has been himself through it all authentically and I think that resonates with everybody mm-hmm. whether or not at times you agree or disagree with him because if you've been around him since a day one you know when sometimes he's poking the bear yeah. and having a little shtick or a bit about him but you know it's going to ruffle even more feathers mm-hmm. but um, no he's he is man he's a beast I think hiring uh, I think when they sold some of them in the beginning then they hire Erica they Erica, went from a few yeah. employees to a few hundred employees. Mm-hmm. He's made the right moves along the way. And uh, he never looks back. And there's this quote. I got to fucking find this quote, dude. That I I, uh, I think of him on. Let me find out. You can, How much time we got, by the way? You can, cut out, you, can cut out, you can cut out this dead space. Oh, we're, we're, we're good. It's more, more natural, you know? Yeah. I try, I try to make it not like an interview, more like you're just sitting on the couch. Because uh, I have so many fucking quotes in here. I got <laughs> to figure out the right. Yeah, this is it. This is, this is a quote where I think of like people like Dave and creators who just fucking keep going. It's like there's a huge advantage in learning to be shamelessly prolific. The ability to continually create in the face of constant embarrassment and self-doubt is likely proportional to long-term success. I love it. Yeah, and that's yeah. like, I mean, it goes with us all and, and all the stuff that, that, that creators do and mm. people who have a lot of self-doubt and everything else, like it's like that fray that I was alluding to earlier, that moment to where you can easily just fucking pack it in and not yeah. want to do it anymore because you just don't want to deal with any yeah. type of backlash. Yeah, yeah, just any type of disagreement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's Dave is somebody, when I wrote that in, like Dave is somebody I would think about. I'm like, no wonder a lot of these, it makes sense with a lot of these creators and innovators in our world mm-hmm. that have a lot of polarizing uh that have a polarizing image because there's backlash that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in times where there's a moment that happens negatively to them, it's going to be fucking massive because yeah. people want to see them fail. There's a group that want to see them fail. So mm. it's like continually doing that and creating and all that time, not taking yourself too seriously. And I think Dave's done a hell of a job. Yeah. Of that. The Falcon situation, right? You tried to sign with the Falcons. Was it this? It was this season, and because of the gambling stuff, they, that caused a bunch of issues with the league. Is that is that how it went down? Yeah. So I flew in to do a workout in October. Yeah. And uh, that's when I'm fucking in the bathroom posting that little uh. that little mirror pic. Where I'm fucking standing there like this. Like, <laughs> Rome wasn't built in a day, but they didn't sign Will Compton. Fuck. <laughs> and. Uh, Arthur brought me upstairs. He's like, come up to my office. Like, let's talk about how we're going to do this thing. Because I was out in front of, you know, the entire front office, the whole coaching staff, solo workout. Mm -hmm. 
And it was like, you know, you're fucking nervous as fuck. Because, I mean, I just needed, like, I just took a couple weeks to put the cleats on again because I had mm-hmm. put the cleats on in, like, six months. I was still working out, but I just, it was more different. <laughs> assault bike, weights, yeah. sauna, rower, stuff yeah. like that. It wasn't, uh, I wasn't cleats, feet on the ground yeah. in the field moving. And... um I was nervous as shit. I told the water, the water lady, like, hey, you know, they're like, hey, here's water anytime you need it. And I was like, hey, I'm telling you, after every rep, I would love some water. <laughs> and one of the coaches laughed. And I was like, hey, you think I'm fucking around? I'm going to need that thing. And so I already knew from there. I was like, okay, this could go well. And I ended up getting water in between every rep. It was the best workout of all time. And uh, I performed well. Everybody was fired up. I'm sure our Coach Art, he was fired up just because it's like, oh, he's wanting to bring in a guy that he's been on his bus a few times. Like, hopefully he still has something. Yeah. And go up and sit with Art. He's like, perfect case scenario. Crystal ball, what would you want to have happen? I said, perfect case scenario. I was like, this doesn't, you're not going to hold anything I say against like me. against my <laughs> want to play football. Because I'll fucking play football tomorrow if you want me to. Yeah. He's like, no, don't. Like, this is, this is fucking up to you if you edit your way. And I go, well, I said, we're, on this, we're in the middle of this uh, fall tour right now. And Bojangles has paid us a, a substantial amount of money. <laughs> and I was like, if we could see these last couple trips through, we end with the Bussin' Bowl on November 12th, Nebraska versus Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if you got me the week after that, that would be the most ideal scenario in the history of fucking my being. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was looking on the computer. He's like, we got a Thursday night game the week of November 12th. He's like, that could work for us. Like we can look to bring you in. Then we have some we have some wiggle room on the roster, and I think that'd be a good time for starting to mm-hmm. try to make that run toward the playoffs. He's like, do your thing, man. Like come in here. Like look, he goes, keep doing your stuff off the field. Like uh, you ever have a question? Like just ask me. Because Coach Art, we're in a group chat. It's me, him, Big Cat, and PFT, <laughs> and uh, which is a hilarious group chat. <laughs> what an epic group chat. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so he. Or he's privy to the content. He's privy to that world mm-hmm. um, and doesn't take it too serious. And uh, he's like, just come in, bring your energy. You know, obviously, I want you, in the, I want you to bring that the locker room shit that you got, like, uh, which isn't anything special. It's just fucking telling jokes and <laughs> talking shit when you're just not having fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's like, I just want you to mentor the young guys. Like, we got a good young group. Like, I think they'll enjoy being around you. Like, just mentor. He's like, and then I'll need you to play some teams whenever we activate you. I was like, I'm done. I'm ready for that, bro. And I was like, and it'll also give me time to button up this gambling stuff I have going on because I was doing about the bus. He's like, yeah, make sure that stuff's squared away. We thought we had it squared away. Fast forward, they come get me the week of November 19th, like the week after, uh, the week of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And wake up four in the morning, drive down there, make the physical by nine o'clock and um, sign my name. Have you gotten hurt since you were last year for the workout? No, sign my name, go up, sign the contract. Get up there to sign the contract. There's an amendment we had drawn up that completely separated me from gambling, bet the bus, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I won't be accepting money. We'll put all of it on hold, all that. Um, And then we, iterations were made from the Falcons front office as well. Mm-hmm. Our team, Falcons team, we put together this amendment, this addendum, whatever that word is, and uh, this contract that would go with my NFL contract. He's like, all right, this seems good. He did some red markings on it. We got it corrected and edited. He's like, this seems good. We'll ship, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll get this to the uh, NFL office right now. Should be about 15 minutes. You want to go grab a coffee or something? 
and uh, hang out down the hall with the – I knew Coach Pease, the D coordinator, mm-hmm. and his son, who was a linebacker coach. And I was like, you want to go say hi to them? He's like, I'll come get you in about 15 minutes, and we should be good to go. Mm-hmm. Had practice the next day. Dude, I'm down in the fucking drinking coffee for – hours man and then i would go back and check and he's like no one's gone back to me yet he called this guy we'll get back to you and then he brings me in he's like hey they don't they might they don't know if they'll have anything for us it'll either be tonight or tomorrow but they want to see your barstool contract i'm like well how do they want to see the barstool contract give them the barstool contract then they're up in arms about the whole gambling thing Mm -hmm. so it's like what do we need to have happen because they said, hey, and then I got called. I went. I left to go back to my hotel room, sleep overnight. He's like, hey, as long as we can get you on the field tomorrow by 1 o'clock, that's the goal. We're good. Go home, get some sleep, or go to the hotel, get some sleep, come back tomorrow. He calls me that night. Hey, guy from the league office just called, and it's going to be an uphill battle for you. They essentially want you to... Um, uh, they want you to terminate your contract with Barstool Sports. They want you to... Uh, pay back all compensation that you've received from Barcelona Sports. They want you to delete all of the historic gambling content you have on the internet involving gambling. And then, and only then, will they be willing to agree to letting you play in the league uh, as long as it's on their terms. (laughs) And, you know, that was a hearsay. That was a phone call conversation. That wasn't on paper. Um, But it was kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I call my agent. We're going back and forth on all this shit. Like, they're like, hey, we need to have this stuff on paper because this is like, this is unreasonable. Mm-hmm. And we'll bring it to the union. Tried to get the union involved. Union kind of drugged their feet on NFLPA. a little bit. NFLPA, yeah. yeah. NFLPA drugged their feet on a little bit. I took to Twitter. Hey, fucking, it felt like conversations that could be had within hours were taking days. Because mm-hmm. the white collars get involved, and they're like, all right, we got a meeting set up for tomorrow morning, first thing in the morning. Why in the fuck are we waiting until tomorrow morning? It's noon right now. <laughs> we can't battle for one of the players that's, you know, put in nine years, gone on the meetings, paid dues, all this shit. Yeah. You can't, like, look at this and give us an objective opinion about it. And, the you know, once I took to Twitter, social media fucking always plays, plays in our favor yeah. every now and then. Stoolies get involved. Stoolies yeah. get involved. Everybody gets involved because we want year 10 to happen. Because yeah. I'm going to sign. I make these videos. We're like, we're fucking going. And it's like, hang on, where's the, where's the contract, the signing, and all this? And, uh, you know, we get to, um, we get to uh, Twitter, and then people from the PA that I know are hitting me up. What's going on? What's going on? Like, we can help. All this stuff. You finally get to talk to the right people. Like, here's a situation going on. Everyone, you know, I don't feel like nobody's fucking helping me out. He goes, Comp, I'm going to be honest. I'll put this on me. I saw this come across my desk, and I thought to myself, there's no way Will's going to do this to go play mm-hmm. football for a few games. Yeah. She's right. <laughs> but the thought on my end was, hey, as long as Barstool will give me the wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we'll terminate all this stuff and pick it up right where you left mm-hmm. off and pay you back and do Good. all this stuff. Yeah. Like, We'll still because we still had a play to create content for year ten while I was out there in Atlanta. Yeah. Like how Dave does one bite, everybody knows the rules with pizza. Mm-hmm. I was going to review all the strip clubs in Atlanta since they're known for strip clubs, <laughs> like their strip club food and everything yeah. else. Like there was some stuff we had in place, and there's just like benefit to being on the field and getting mm-hmm. to ride that wave yeah. while you can. And it was for what seven games, maybe six, seven games, depending if we make the playoffs. And uh, 
So I was, we, we, myself, Barstool, our team, Barstool's team, we were all on the same page about it on making this happen. So we were, we were willing to jump through as many hoops as possible, but it drug out so long. And for you to get accredited season in the NFL, you need three games. Mm -hmm. So for me to get my 10th credited year, I would need to play in those last three games. By the time those last three games came around, Falcons had lost a few close games. They were kind of out of the playoff hunt mix. And it was like, again, I wanted to like go to a team where, um, I could make a push in the playoffs, like yeah. go and chase a championship. Um, so it just got to where it fizzled out, and they fucking Roger Goodell, Tom Brady, in the NFL won. Me meanwhile, the NFL's got like a bunch of gambling sponsors, and they're <laughs> <laughs> bro, the hypocrisy of that shit is nuts, man. It's wild. Like they they have sports books in their stadiums. In the stadiums, yeah. They're in bed with DraftKings, FanDuel, yeah. all of them. Bet MG MGM. All of them. And you're making it hard because probably a little bit of the reputation with Barstool Sports, I'm yeah. sure. I was going to ask, do you think you're the collateral damage to Portnoy versus Goodell? <laughs> I'm sure in some capacity. Because <laughs> they have they have beef, right? Yeah, they, they have, uh, they have beef. Like yeah. Goodell pretends he doesn't know who he is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is insane. Goodell's but such a stiff. I'm dude. sure there was something that just subconsciously plays into that collateral damage. They see Barstool Sports. It's almost yeah. like... Because what we were told through the grapevine is it seems like the NFL doesn't want you involved with Barstool. They're even player podcasts, not going to say any names, that are promoting and advertising for DraftKings on their show. And I'm trying to not, like, I'm parting away showing you that I'm not going to do anything. Like, what the yeah. fuck am I going to do? How am I going to affect a game out there from the fucking bench? Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless I'm trying to get a pump blocked and fucking they score. <laughs> That's not, that's not in my blood, dude. Um, you could audit me the entire time. Yeah. But no, the hypocrisy of that whole thing is 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 insane. And, you know, you lost to the big guy, but it is what it is. I mean, it's not like it was – if yeah. I wanted to play that bad, I wouldn't have stood up a gambling show mm. in the beginning. You kind of yeah. knew, yeah, you kinda you, knew you the risk involved yeah. getting into it. And it's just like, fuck it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. What's your yeah, – I saw you mentioned your journal, your goals from 2017, so you're clearly a goal setter. What's your North Star now? Like what, what – where Dude, do you want to take this thing? Like, would, you ever, would you ever do – also, top of that, would you ever do like television? Would you ever go on like, you know, college, know. you know, like what McAfee's doing? No, that Daily Show stuff is just not a grind. Yeah. Like I love this shit because this is the shit I loved in the game of football – just without the game of football. Just shooting the shit. Shooting the shit, yeah. talking with the boys, yeah. busting balls, yeah. saying stuff a little edgy, finding the line. Mm -hmm. You can, but not really. You can't really do that stuff on TV. But yeah. to answer your question, like daily show stuff, I, I'm never going to say no. I guess if the situation was right, mm -hmm. um, I'd look into it. But the gig we got now, man, it's just like, you know, there's thoughts now on expansion and scaling and, you know, allowing our platform to bring in other content creators mm -hmm. and, you know, allow like athletes like yourself, allow yeah. people like just the same kind of blueprints and, mm -hmm. and see if you can expand there. And then how many shows do you want to do? If we have this platform now, you can build other shows, but at some point you, you got to look at how much bandwidth you're putting into doing all this stuff. And it's like, yeah. if I'm sitting here fucking working every day, because the minute you do all that, again, like we're growing this business on our own. Mm -hmm. It's not, uh, you guys know it, it's not a media company 
throwing X amount of dollars and you're yeah. just showing up and they have the production team. They have everybody kind of doing it for you. You get the earpiece, you do your TV. Mm-hmm. This is like, you got to think about how to scale, bringing people in, finding the right people. Like working with people is a different animal. Like yeah. not everybody shares the same vision and you can't talk to everybody the same way that yeah. you know of which is in the film room. Mm-hmm. You can't say, yo, this fucking sucks right yeah. here. Like you need to get your shit together or you're going to get cut. You can't mm-hmm. talk to people that way. Yeah. Like it's not that the people are soft or anything like that. It's just it's just a different culture of performance-based yeah. stuff and creators and people who make their content, they're like artists, right? And so there's more emotion involved because like if you're making something, you might want it to look a little bit better mm-hmm. and they make it their way you got to find a way to bridge that communication gap. So I'm saying all this stuff is like, you've got to hire these people out if you're going to scale the business. And how much are you going to want to put into the business to at what point does it become, I'm running some fucking, or we're running some small little company now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Doing your podcast. Yeah. 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 But uh, I don't know what our North Star is yet. I think for me personally, I want to continue to do what... I've started to do in my own personal brand, which is, uh, which is the saying of the tagline of, you know, creating a platform that allows athletes and creators to authentically be themselves. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you do that, then you're embodying what you started this thing for in the first place. So if there's things that make sense for me to do and it aligns with that, then I'll be up to doing it. But as far as like TV or anything else, I don't fucking know, man. Who even knows if TV would want me? You know what I mean? Guys in our shoes, we're not fucking quarterbacks. We're not five stars. We're not first round draft picks. Tom Brady. Yeah, we're not Tom Brady. We didn't have, you know, these luxurious careers. Yeah. Uh, Like building it from the building it the the gritty way. I I, yeah is what fascinates me. Building it in the locker room space. Like I want to be a podcasting guy. I don't want to fucking have to worry about how I'm performing on TV. Yeah. Because there's hot Producers buttons. are t- telling yeah, you what they yeah. like, what Producers they don't tell, like. Yeah, what yeah. they like, they don't like. They don't like your suit that day. <laughs> yeah, or you just hit on some hot button topics like, hey, you have to address this because this is what's going yeah. on in the world. It's like, man, I get that shit, but that's just not, I just don't give a fuck to talk yeah. about that. Sometimes I do, but some, like not to do it because I feel an obligation and a responsibility. Yeah based on the brand that you've created, now it becomes my responsibility to do it. I just want to be a fucking locker room guy. I want to go on the yak and do a case race. Yeah. I want to sit down <laughs> yeah. with you and have yeah. and talk about the business the mind behind yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. Because people don't see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. They see all the gimmicks of fucking me wearing a knee sleeve, taking shirt off, slow chugging beers yeah. and fucking acting an ass at times. But I like that stuff more than more than the thought of suiting up hey we want to fly you here we want to fly you there you're doing tv now like yeah and that that just becomes more responsibility we get to kind of be our own boss and work with a company that lets us do whatever the fuck we want you're uh you mentioned the business stuff like you clearly have an entrepreneurial mindset and on some of the shows you talk about being being frugal i, th- I think you mentioned it on the interview with kenny, du- kenny dellingham you like to save your money like what do you invest in you mentioned real estate what, what are some of the other things you do Oh, good question. Well, how many? How much shit have you listened to of me? Fuck, dude. Kinda, yeah, did, did, did some homework. I, uh, I, I watched your Kenny Dillingham interview because I thought it was, you know, it was ASU. I wanted to see. Yeah, and yeah. how solid that he seems as a as it was a head great. coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you had uh, you had Jalen Conyers on, who I recruited to ASU. Oh, so when I was a tight right. coach, yeah. I recruited Jalen Conyers. You had him on the on yes, the show. that's right, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, 
What was the question on the? Oh, what if I invest? Just, yeah, what, what, what do you like, invest in? People love talk, love hearing about this kind of stuff. Uh, so investments that I'm in, I do enjoy the real estate lane. I want to get back into it more now that I feel like we're scaling in a way. Like we're in the middle of hiring. Um, are you familiar at all with the book Traction or the no. Entrepreneurial Operating Systems Program Mm-mm. EOS? Look into it. Okay. Any entrepreneur out there wanting to scale business or anything else, look mm-hmm. at the book Traction. And it's EOS, it's this EOS systems program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they break it down on this accountability chart. There's a visionary integrator and then your main arms of opera, your main arms of the business. Mm-hmm. And obviously Taylor and I were the kind of the visionary of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the integrator right now, I'm wearing the integrator hat. Right now we're in the middle of hiring an integrator to help alleviate some of the infrastructure and management operational things that yeah. I sit in the seat to do. And I think once I delegate that off my plate, I would love to get back into real estate more. I had I was involved with some real estate before COVID hit. I sold a lot of my stuff off during the beginning of that. Um, I'm still in a couple properties now, but man, I work with this uh, I work with this advisor that I trust with absolutely everything, and he's got me in deals like uh, I'm a I'm an investor in uh, Old Smoky, mm. that moonshine. Mm-hmm. I'm an investor of Therabody. With fucking Jay-Z and Rihanna. Yeah. And you see fucking Will Compton on the list. <laughs> Got you on the captain. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, what else, man? Open Doors. My, oh, yeah. my uh, Matter of fact, Blake Lawrence, the CEO, the he's founder. A of yeah, Blake. He's a beast. Yeah. You know Blake. Yeah, yeah. Um, bro, Blake was my host when I was a getting recruited to Nebraska. Wow. I know Blake very well. Yeah. Uh, Blake was actually visiting a few weeks ago. He was over at the house, but I'm in on Open Doors. Mm-hmm. Um, man, for me in the investment world, you know, somebody I like to listen to. I got to tell you guys about our new sponsor, Manscaped. This beard trimmer from Manscaped keeps me looking fresh. It gives me the closest shave I've ever had. The ladies compliment it all the time. I'm telling you, don't just take my word for it. I have a special code for all you listeners. Go to manscaped.com. Use my code Adam B for 20% off for free shipping. Shout out Manscaped, the first ever sponsor for the Next Up podcast. Outside of like Tim Ferriss and those guys who like to invest and kind of give you game there, mm-hmm. Naval Ravikant, mm-hmm. he's somebody I love to listen to about all of that stuff. And I think ultimately in the investing space, it's about playing long-term games with good people. Yeah. And as long as I can surround myself with good people who are way smarter than me um, and can help me make decisions, and then those decisions align with what my wife and I want as a family and what aligns with me as an individual and with busting with the boys, then those are kind of the investment strategy that yeah. investment strategies I go about. But for me personally, that's my investment strategy with whether it's angel investing or yeah. getting in on projects. You're fucking or venture capitalist. Uh, yeah, venture cap <laughs> VC stuff. Um, outside of that, that's kind of the strategy there within like the direct what I would love to get into outside of busting with the boys. And scaling and growing a business there is like uh, getting in on real estate. I think real estate is the is the fucking game. Yeah, but that's kind of my that's kind of my strategy. Now I will say, I was actually talking about it on the Bad Friends podcast we did with Andrew Santino and Bobby Lee. Mm-hmm. Worst investment I ever made was actually a real estate investment, but like it was this multi multi family apartment complex around where I grew up. Mm. Number one, that should have been the first red flag. <laughs> but you know how it is. In you Missouri? listen to One Bigger Pockets podcast, you're ready yeah, to fucking yeah. invest your money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sleeping right now. I'm falling by the eight ball. You're just yeah. excited to do a deal. Yeah. So 
So I end up giving, and this is going to sound crazy, but fuck it. I learned from my mistake, and fortunately, I got the money back, but $600,000 into this multifamily deal. And essentially, my money was just locked up for fucking four or five years, and it was a pain in the ass to get out of it. The partner I had fucking, oh, God, headache after headache after headache. And just like, it's something I should have vetted a lot more and understood who I was working with Mm -hmm. and the strategies. I just had no clue what I was doing. (laughs) And so anybody out there listening to this, they can learn from that mistake. It's we all get overly excited when an opportunity can potentially present itself, but Mm -hmm. do the right amount of due diligence before you just go fucking throw your money at something. (laughs) You got it back, though. Got it back, thank God. But you lose... Time. You lose on interest. Yeah. yeah, you lose on interest there. Fucking yeah, however many years worth, and what that that amount of money split up in the whether it's six one hundred thousand dollars, two three or three two hundred thousand, you know, fifty thousand yeah. dollar investments, like yeah. ten thousand stuff like that. It's like who who knows what could have been done yeah. with that, which is what I would lose sleep over, and I was just so fucking pissed off trying to get out of it. Yeah. I, I what pissed me off about the whole thing is I hated knowing that I was dumb. Yeah. It's like I get so pissed off at myself when I make like a dumb move and you're just my self-talk. I, don't know, but I verbally abuse myself when it comes to self-talk. <laughs> if I don't do something right, I'm like, you're such a fucking idiot. Everybody's right about you. Speaking you deserve of, uh, nothing. Speaking of verbal abuse, you played for Bill, Bo Pelini at Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, what a what, transition. What, yeah, you like that? <laughs> What's the wildest thing he ever said to you? Well, it wasn't him. It was his brother. And... uh I gave up a touchdown in the flat against Texas Tech. Got outflanked. And uh, I came to the sideline. And uh, he's like, you fucking suck. (laughs) Middle school fucking play, and you blew it. And I felt so shitty because I'm a freshman. Fast forward later that season, same coach. Blow blow something again. I didn't fucking, I want to say the blitzer on the edge took the took the dive on the option, and I'm supposed to fall out and take the quarterback if he keeps mm-hmm. the ball. And I stayed inside, get blocked. Quarterback obviously keeps it, takes it in the end zone. And I got thrown in the, I got thrown in the game on that drive because our starter was – he made a couple mistakes. Like, get him out. I fucking want him out. <laughs> they pull Phil Dillard out. They throw me in when they're in the red zone going in to score. And I give up the touchdown. And, dude, he fucking – I come to the sideline. He's like – Mother, how many fucking times are we going to have to correct you this year? And I was like, I thought I was supposed to. He goes, no, you're just fucking retarded. And he's punching me in the fucking chest, spitting tobacco in my face. It gets in my mouth, and I'm just sitting there just like, get me fucking out of this year, bro. Like, what a brutal year. He felt so bad that the next spring, he's having a good spring, and vibes are high, and he's like... uh, well, if you don't mind, you know, after we break here, if you come up to my office, love to sit down with you. And at this point, we had a fine, our relationship was fine. He sat down and he was like, are we good? And I was, I was off, caught off guard by it because I didn't know what he was talking about. Because uh-huh. you're young, you're just like, oh, this is, the, this is football. Like, this is, <laughs> this is what you sign up for. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, what do you mean, coach? And he was like, last year, you know, I think of a couple sideline instances with you and... Um, I just feel those instances were some of the lower points of my career when talking to a player. And he's like, I just want to make sure we're good because I don't want you to feel like you're living under some cloud when you're out there playing in front of me or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
And that relieved me of some stress. Nice. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there are times you're out there you're playing to not mess up than playing to succeed. Yeah. That was probably the, the verbal abuse <laughs> that I got. Yeah, it was the Pelinis were interesting, man. Bo one time told Sean Fisher, linebacker, we were playing in Colorado. It was freshman year. And uh, Fish missed a couple plays and just got his ankles broken, dude. Like a tree falling in the forest. <laughs> and uh, they're saying, when are you going to fucking pull your head out of your pussy? And they just fucking <laughs> reach and they just start like doing this. And just demolished him, bro. To the point to where... We fly, we hit the ground, and they keep fish on the plane after to talk to him and basically like, hey, we were okay, we were a little we're a little too far for that one. <laughs> oh, cause that Colorado game, we beat their ass, but uh after the game was over, at the end of the game, our corner, Alfonso Denard, stud corner, got drafted. He got drafted. And uh he gives up a touchdown like a Hail Mary. Colorado just throws a Hail Mary and they end up scoring on the play and they end up, we end up winning like, I don't know. They bridge the gap, but Bo was so fucking mad. He was waiting in the locker room after the game. Alfonso come in. Alfonso comes in. He grabs him by the fucking pads. <laughs> puts He like put, shoves him kind of close to the locker or shoves him up on the locker. You ever give up a fucking touchdown on trash, on trash time again, I'll fucking ship your ass back to Rochelle, Georgia. <laughs> And Alfonso's like, yes, sir, coach. You can tell Alfonso was pissed that he got he put his hands on him. But we won the game. But uh yeah, some good times with Coach Bo now. Oh, I say all that, I would fucking take a bullet for that man. Yeah. But yeah. You probably, you probably saw a lot of shit in Washington too. You, you were there during well, you were there five years? Yeah, I was there five years. Yeah. I didn't see a whole lot in Washington. I know there's all these contra the controversy surrounding Dan Snyder. You yeah. kinda What was he like? He wasn't around. Yeah. He wasn't around a whole lot. And when he was, he was fucking either drinking or something. I don't know. You told some story I saw about them at, yeah. the, them at the movie theater or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Where he, yeah, he's like, you can tell him and Bruce are drunk. He's like, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up, drink this, drink this. There you go. He's like, what the fuck? Like, who's banging who in this relationship? And, uh, but yeah, he wasn't around a whole lot. Yeah. He wasn't around a whole lot. You don't realize how big that stuff is until you get outside of that bubble. When you're in that bubble, it's you guys suck when you're you guys gonna win games. Like I don't know. It's a different it was a different type of toxicity. Yeah. With the cloud of Dan Snyder over it. But you're kinda you're kinda zoned in on yeah. winning football games and finding ways to win. The uh last couple of things. I know you gotta get out of here. It's twelve forty already. Um during your career, playing career, and now, what's a moment that you had like a it was the toughest moment of your career, or the most adversity you had to overcome? Oh, that's a good question. Um, probably, probably my rookie year, because I don't think I don't think uh, there's any type of career. I don't think there's any type of career unless Keenan Robinson gets injured. Mm-hmm. So, training camp, my rookie year, there's some luck that involves this game, especially when you're an undrafted cat. It's not like I just willed myself to the top of a depth chart. Mm -hmm. You kind of need some luck, and you kind of yeah. need some things that go your way. But when that luck or when those moments happen, you do have to be prepared. It's like taking advantage of the opportunity when you get that moment. Mm -hmm. Day one of training camp, Keenan Robinson goes down, tears his peck. Opening day, he's playing next to London Fletcher. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
so immediately I go from seventh on the depth chart up to, I was running with the three. So I'm part of the linebackers five and six. Is running a three four seventh on the depth chart seventh. So you had you Barry had Barry down there. Yeah, Barry. It was like you had London Fletcher and Keenan Robinson. Those that was a starting yeah. duo. I think at the time, or it was London and Perry Riley, mm-hmm. and then Keenan Robinson and Brian Keel, and then Jeremy Kimbrough and I forget another player, and then it was me. So I'm just getting shuffled in with the three. So I'm probably getting like four reps a day, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Which fucking sucked. And you're just yeah. thinking, man, when, when they, I'm going to get cut. I'm wearing 46. Same number as Alfred Morris, who was a pro bowler the year before. Like, I'm getting fucking cut at some point. And it's fucking hot as shit. You're just miserable. But you got you know, you to fake it till you make it sometimes. And um, so now I'm running with the threes. So I'm getting a few more extra reps, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And that next week, Jeremy Kimbrough, who was an undrafted free agent like myself, who was over me, um, he ends up tearing his hamstring Mm -hmm. so he's out for a couple weeks so that was my moment i am now working with the twos i'm now repping with the twos Mm -hmm. and uh massive opportunity and unfortunately in that third week i felt something go in my upper hamstring i like strained my hamstring out to like the bottom of my ass dude tip top Mm -hmm. of my hamstring and it was in a one-on-one, it was like in a one-on-one situation. My base got a little wide. I like stepped. I felt like a pop, a pop in my ass, no homo. <laughs> and uh, dude, by the end of that day, I was in so much fucking pain. Fortunately, my mentor, Ben Newman, was out there at the time. He came to visit because he did mental work with me throughout that summer. And he wanted to, he wanted to travel in just to make sure my head my head's right and doing all this stuff. Not for that moment, but he was just coming to check in. Yeah. Fortunately, he was there. I, you know, I'm with him that I'm with him that next day. I'm like, man, something fucked up in my hamstring, man. It's starting to hurt like a motherfucker. I tell the trainer, I'm like, hey, whatever we can do to duct tape this, however we can do whatever. I'm just letting you know I need treatment because I'm in a lot of pain, but I really appreciate if you wouldn't. Like telling don't say that, yeah. Um, because you don't want them to know the moment like you're hurt like that, like you could get cut Mm -hmm. if you're at the bottom, like there's no use for you anymore. Mm -hmm. Next morning, I wake up and I can barely walk because again, it's at the it's at the it's at the it's in it's like in my ass, dude. Like it's I'm in so much pain, yeah. Like I'm like barely stepping and tears start coming out of my eyes because it's like I'm like, fuck, man, I'm finally getting an opportunity and I'm I can't. We go to walk through because you have walk through in the morning and then practice in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go to walk through and I do rehab before I do all this stuff, get in the hot tub, and I'm still in excruciating pain. And I kind of finesse walk through like when you're undrafted and you're at the bottom of the depth charts, or if you're at the bottom of the depth chart, I'm not gonna say undrafted. If you're at the bottom of the depth chart, you're the service team for the starters. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a rookie, so every rookie should be in there. And I kind of finesse to where I kind of hide in the back and never have to go out there because I'm in so much pain. I, I truly, like, I can't really move. Yeah. And uh, I'm sitting with Ben in the afternoon, and he's like, come man. And he's like, is there any way in hell for you to go? And uh, I was like, we got to find something because I'm getting to work with the fucking twos. Mm. Like I'm getting my moment. And uh, those are the times where I'm, I, you know, it's, I'm a guy who plays from the neck up. Fucking love, you know, personnel, the formation, the tendencies, mm. to all that stuff. And 
he's like, can you go? And uh, I remember we just sat there and had the conversation, like, we got to do whatever possible. I remember taking Toradol just for fucking practice, mm -hmm. doing all the necessary things to warm it up as much as possible. And I'm talking, I'm duct taped, I'm, I'm taped, not duct taped, I'm taped so much that like, you know how you do like leg swing skip? I can't even really pick up. I can't even pick up my right leg because I want, it's when I got extended that mm -hmm. would really bother me. Mm -hmm. And that was the practice that is the most pivotal point in my career because I go out on that practice and I have two interceptions and one more that was a PPU that should have been a pick. I was like a hook dropper and should have picked it on the other hash on RG3. I picked RG once and I picked Kirk Cousins another time. And that day I fucking come over to the sideline and Ben, my mentor, punches me in the chest and says, yo, I'm so fucking proud of you. And I, I feel emotion. <clears throat> I feel emotion feeling that because I was so fired up that, yo, that was the moment that it's like, yo, I can play in this league. And I, I fought through something that, you know, I'm now I'm not on my, like my deathbed or nothing. But those moments when you're trying to like make a roster and make a name later that night, Coach Shanahan runs into me and says, oh, Mr. Interception. The head coach, Coach Shanahan, a Super Bowl winning coach, which coach Terrell Davis, Shannon Sharp, all these boys in Denver. They just had a hell of a year with RG that last year. Coach Shanahan knows my name now, and he's calling me fucking Mr. Intercep Mr. Interception. <laughs> I had one pick in my college career. I dropped more than I can fucking count, dude. Mm -hmm. And it, it's like, fortunately, I had been there with me. And it's just like, again, those moments, and that moment specifically, Got me because the linebacker coach didn't really mess with me. He was like a vet guy more than anything. And I, again, like I'm not a first round or I'm not a high round pick that they're trying to develop. And I remember that night we're going into the preseason game at Tennessee, first preseason game. And he's like, Will, uh, Will Compton, you're going to run with the twos. Some coaches want to see you work with the twos. I'm thinking to myself, well, fuck, why wouldn't you say we want to see you work with the twos? Like, mm -hmm. I know you don't fuck with me. And uh, I got the rep with the twos my first preseason game. And I got to rep with the twos, bro. And I ended up leading the end up leading our team in preseason in tackles. I remember before that last preseason game, a scout came over to me. He's like, hey man, you got a real shot to make this team. He's like, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to black out on defense, but you have a shot. I didn't black out on defense. I had a special teams tackle and stuff like that, but I ended up getting cut and going to practice squad. But when I had my exit meeting when I was getting cut with Shanahan, He's like, hey, I'm, you know, I know it sucks that you're getting cut, but he's like, I want you to know, I feel like we have something that nobody will, nobody knows about for their roster. Not like I'm some secret weapon, but mm -hmm. I know you can play linebacker. You just can't play special teams well enough yet to be on the roster. And that was my moment to where I had to be better on teams. And, uh, but he was like, uh, your intelligence and everything else. He's like, I'm glad we have you. I know you wish you were on the active roster. And if a backer goes down, you know, you'll be the first person we think about. But he's like, I'm glad you're here. That moment sucked to get cut and stuff. But um, to answer your, your question directly, yeah. it was that moment of training camp. Fucking strain my hamstring, a little tear in my hamstring. And um, you go out there and I have like the best fucking practice. To this day, I mean, it's probably my best yeah. practice in my career. What are the chances that Ben's there that day too, right? That it all happens? He's, Dude, it was yeah. nuts. It was nuts. I did this financial secure the bag podcast with with uh, DDA. And um, he was there with Ben. Oh, yeah. As doing financial stuff with mm -hmm. guys. And we were recapping that 
moment on the podcast and it was just nuts because he got to see it kind of from afar and he's like oh man this he's like in his perspective he's like oh man that sucks this guy he's probably gonna get cut because yeah it's not you don't know that the career is gonna happen after that but Mm -hmm. nuts man it's something that ben and i always reminisce about because ben and i found each other over twitter Mm -hmm. Uh, i dm'd him to do some psychology work sport performance mental performance work um in the off season because he lived in st louis and i lived in you know bonterre missouri and we would meet at a, we would both drive halfway and meet in the middle at a Panera Bread or St. Louis Bread Company in Arnold, Missouri, and work once a week every Monday. Worksheet stuff, mental stuff, self-talk, things that I need to think about doing before I go into training yeah. camp. And then he's like, hey, I want to come out there. Just get my belief system in check. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, you know, if I don't make it here, there's 32 other, 31 other teams. And he's mm-hmm. like, you got to change your thing. You got to change the way you talk to yourself. Like you are a linebacker to the Washington Redskins. No matter how stupid you feel saying that, you have to tell yourself that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, man, the next year Adam Hayward comes in, who's a special teams fucking ace, and he pulls me, takes me under his wing. He's like, hey, if you're going to stay around on this league, you got to be able to play teams. So I didn't play teams at Nebraska. Yeah. I had the privilege of being a four-star cat and being linebacker and mm-hmm. being on the field, and I never had to play special teams. So that was a learning curve for me. And Adam Hayward, shout out to him, fucking he had his arm around me and took took me under his wing to be a special teams guy. And then when those moments come to be a starter or a fill-in starter, when a guy get hurt, when a guy were to get hurt, mm-hmm. you know, it's then I would I started five games that second year in the league. Then the third year was ten games, and the fourth year was. The yeah. season and but that fucking practice, dude. That's sweet. That's a great was story. Was the pivotal <laughs> moment of awesome. my entire journey. You think uh, you think Nebraska can turn it around? Coach Rule, the right guy. Come on, now what are we talking about here? Absolutely, <laughs> Coach Rule is he's going to get this thing turned around. Nebraska, I think we got to do away with the of old, the nineties. I think it's nice to reminisce about and, and the the legacy of it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to look back and see where we were because it's like, man, we got to get the team squad back to the 90s. Yeah. Now we just got to get the squad back to when Pelini was there and when we're winning fucking nine, 10 games a year. Yeah. But yeah, I think Nebraska will be back as early as this year. Mm-hmm. And when I say back, I mean bowl game. We're going to hit a bowl game this year. That's yeah. my expectation for the team. But I love Coach Rule. His interview was incredible that we did with him. Um, I, think he's a, I think he's a good football coach. I think he's got a lot of good guys on his staff mm-hmm. that are good football coaches, guys that can relate to the players. Nebraska has all the resources in the world and the right people, the right amount of money to be successful. It's just getting guys there because it's the middle of yeah. it's the middle of fucking he's the US. A, he's a great evaluator. That's like that's a coach rule. Like yeah. he did it at Temple when he got all those those two stars that ended up playing in the league. Like that's that's what he's that's what he beats everyone in, in my opinion. Like he, he can find the three stars and the, yeah. the two stars. And a good in culture builder. Yeah. I think college is better suited for him because no doubt. you get the time in college. Yeah. NFL, you don't get the time, man. Yeah. You need the cats, and you got to adapt on the fly, or you're, yeah. you know you're gone. Yeah. But Nebraska will be back. Mark my words. Yeah, I'm excited to see it, man. Well, I, I appreciate all your time. I, I know we probably got you late oh, for man. your meeting, so. I oh, know you're good. <laughs> I can handle it in the truck. But I, I appreciate, it, man. This was this was fun. Congrats on all your success. It's been fun watching your. You know, I've been following you for the since you started the pod. So it's been Thanks, cool, man. cool having you on. Yeah, I, I yeah. appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you making it happen. Yeah, man. Any anytime you need fucking help mentoring fucking anything i mean i'll just regurgitate whatever i've been told and yeah heard. but we're all in this fucking thing together because we're gr- we're the grinders <laughs> of the world man. we're not that we're not no doubt. 
It wasn't, the, it wasn't handed to us. No, no. <laughs> we're not the, the pretty boys who have the, the thing yeah. to, to dive into, but it's cool to see all of your, it's cool to see all your guys' content. I think you guys do a good job. I don't know who cuts up and does yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, they do stuff, a great job. But you guys do a really good job. You guys sure. have good cliffhangers at the beginning. You have good little uh, intros and trailers that yeah, lead into Yeah, well, I'm excited for you. We, we make those for each pod. I'm excited to yeah. see what they come up with for yours. No, but I think you guys do a good job. Yeah. I think a lot of your content is like captivating. I think it bodes well in the reels. Yeah. That kind of space of that, whatever the fucking yeah. dimensions are. Vertical you know, straight, video. The vertical. TikTok yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you guys do yeah. a good job, man. For real. Like, keep fucking going. And I think you need to continue to to target guys with them niche audiences. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, the moment you get the, the Jersey Jerry, I've been on, and you can kind of lean into some of the lower. I'm going to go through, the, the, through the, the, all the bar sold people. Well, then <laughs> you can, yeah, then you, then they say, you know, <laughs> fucking Big Cat or something will be sitting on yeah. here. You'll be flying a Big Cat or something. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, that's how it works, man. I think I think you're 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 smart by it. It's not easy. Yeah. The fucking YouTube game and everything else is not easy. Yeah. Like it, well, you guys are at like fifteen thousand subscribers. Yeah. But your uh, engagement and your views compared to your subscribers, like that's you're in a good ballpark. It's like yeah. that follower engagement ratio, right? Like you guys are getting thousands of views off fifteen thousand subscribers. It's just yeah. like, you know. Yeah, I think you guys will go, go up from here, but I think you do a good job. I think this has the potential to be maybe maybe our most viewed one yet. Jer- you Jersey, think so? Jersey's Jer- big, bro. Jersey Jerry got. I think he. I think we did fifty some thousand views on YouTube on that. Yeah, yeah, and Jersey's an incredible story. Yeah, like it's, you know, he's an incredible story, and I think he's got. Uh, we we did that during the Super Bowl. He came over. Yeah, came over during the he crushes it, man. I like I like Jerry a lot. Yeah, and you gotta appreciate somebody who's willing to be vulnerable like that and talk about their low lows. Yeah, man. I mean he. Yeah, and that's why I did so well. You know, yeah. he, he talked with all that stuff. You like sitting with Darren Waller too. Yeah, I need to. Yeah, I need tight to. end, man. Yeah. You ever want me to make that connection? Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, I'd love to. Is there ever somebody you feel like you're close to too that I can help out with? Fucking just let me know, it. bro. We'll, I appreciate we'll, it. We'll try to bridge any it. gap we can. You, you know what I wanted to ask you about that I forgot? Go is, ahead. Is the beef with uh, Theo Vaughn real? I can't give that up, man. <laughs> I can't give that up. I think at the end of the There's day, there's so many different like dates I, yeah, I want to ask you. About. I know, like, I know. Like who's Jeffrey Star really dating? <laughs> right, right, dude. Fucking, that'd be good. You get Taylor on. You have Taylor on. You can ask him about uh, Jeffrey yeah. Star, man. But uh, no, the stuff with Theo Vaughn. I think the end game is you're gonna have to. Number one, I'm gonna have to come correct. We're gonna have to come correct with jokes if we're ever gonna be in front of him and fucking go back and forth because that dude is a is elite when uh, it comes to talking shit. But. Uh, he had a couple weeks there where he was kind of talking noise about the boys. I feel like he was taking more shots at Taylor than he was me. He had yeah. some playful jokes with myself with the preemie baby on C4 and pre-workout and CTEFG. Like, I think that stuff's funny. But he was talking, you know, you talk about Taylor, like, why are you waking up at 5 a.m. if you're going to just get hurt every year? It's like, well, I, God personal. damn, man. Like, you know, I think his attitude got in his knees and they just gave out. It's like, what the fuck, bro? Like that a phenomenal church, but those are like those kind of touch you a little different. Like you're coming out, you're here. That's the wrong tone. You're coming on my guy wrong. It's the wrong tone. You do it again, I'll stab you in the face with the soldering iron. Which movie? Yeah. Which movie is that? Stab you in the face with soldering. Yeah, you're talking to my guy wrong. That's the wrong tone. You do it again, I'll stab you in the face with the soldering iron. It's gotta be some mob movie, right? You don't know, don't know. Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt, the janitor. Fucking, what's his name? Yeah, who played that? He plays the dad in Wedding Crashers. You a big movie guy, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> especially the older comedies. Yeah. Uh, what's his fucking name? 
But anyway, he was, uh, that's where that movie's from, boy. That's tough, man. How, how was the meeting? How's Bula? It was awesome. I mean, you wish you could fucking talk his language. <laughs> the cool thing is the dude who runs the social channel, his social channels, he messes with busting with the boys. Oh, really? So that's how we got in on that. Like, yeah. I doubt Hezbollah fucking knows who we are, but <laughs> his social media page knows. Yeah. Like, he fuck, yeah. they fuck with busting with the boys. But uh, that, no, that's a wild world we're getting into there with the UFC stuff. Hezbollah, yeah. Dana White. Uh, he boys with Dana? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's opened he's opened the doors to us, man. Like he gets it in that entrepreneurial world, like as far as trends and stuff like mm-hmm. that. He opens the doors for content creators and influencers. He blew up. I mean, he helped those the Nuck Boys blow up with that. Yeah, absolutely. Podcast, like Trump on their pod. Yeah, you yeah. see how that stuff happens, man. And again, it's very polarizing mm-hmm. uh, because there's some there's some hiccups along the way. But I think overall, when you look at when you look at the way he's able to zoom out and grow, scale his business and grow and see where attention Incredible. grows, yeah. I think he's got a knack for that, dude. I yeah. think he's got a knack for that. That's, that's why he bought the P, the, the Slap League, PSL, yeah. Pro yeah, Slap yeah, League, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because he sees how trendy it is on TikTok and the shorts, like the attention span now. You watch somebody get slapped in the face, you're going to sit there and watch it a few times. <laughs> it might, not ever, be a, it might yeah. not ever be a nationally televised yeah. thing, but that's not the game he's trying to get into. Yeah. He's trying to get Social into media. that short form game. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, they're, they're opening their, do- their doors to us there, but, uh, he's fucking awesome, man. He's fucking awesome. And somebody who will give you advice too. Like, that's, yeah. what's cool is you come across everybody who helps you along the way. And, um, you know, it's like the saying, you never want to meet your heroes. I'm not saying any of these guys are my heroes, but just to go with that saying, you never want to meet their heroes cause they'll disappoint you. And it's like a lot of these people that have been out successful entrepreneurs, they're always very willing and open to, to give help. you feedback. Yeah. As long as you're somebody who... They know, like, oh, this guy, you can tell, like, they're really trying to do something. They're not trying to just take something from me. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah man. Love it, I man. do got to jump I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I'll just keep going. Until yeah, you know. I know.